It's the Mixed Martial Arts Hour with... The Mixed Martial Arts Hour back in your life on this Monday, January 14th, 2013. If you're watching us live, I am sorry for the 15 or so minute delay. Had a bit of a tech issue that came up with a minute before the show's uh, commencement and uh, we had to figure it out. But now we have figured it out. I hope we're good to go. We've got a great show lined up for you right here, right now. Joined in the back, as always, by Isaac, the returning Buzzkill Brendan and New York Rick. You will hear from New York Rick in the third hour as we present our Rick's Picks Challenge. We previewed it last week. We are going to have Rick put his money where his mouth is. Rick's Picks is going to the big leagues, if you know what I'm saying. We'll talk about that in the third hour. Um, In the second hour, we're going to be joined by an old friend. An old friend, Hector Lombard, the former Bellator middleweight champion who... As you may recall, over the summer, uh, was not a big fan of mine, went on a radio station in uh, South Florida and went off on me and uh, just had some very mean things to say about me. But now we have squashed the beef and we are so proud and so excited to welcome Hector onto the show. So that's going to happen in the second hour. We're going to talk about that, his win in December over Husimar Palhares, his upcoming fight against Yushin Okami. Also in the second hour, Nick Newell is going to be stopping by. I'm sure if you're a fan of MMA at this point, you've heard of Nick's story, a congenital amputee. Um, nothing past his elbows, missing essentially this part of his arm. And uh, he is the XFC lightweight champion undefeated 9-0. Talked to Dana White about him recently. I want to talk to him about his career. Very interesting guy. Kevin Kay, he is the president of Spike TV. He'll be stopping by at 2 o'clock to talk about Bellator's Spike TV debut on Thursday. Looking forward to that. At 1.40, we'll be joined by Michael the Count Bisping all the way in Brazil. He fights Vitor Belfort at UFC on FX7 this Saturday night. Looking forward to having Michael back on the show. And at around 1.20, the VP of Regulatory Affairs for the UFC, Mark Ratner, one of the most respected men in MMA, will be stopping by to talk about regulation of mixed martial arts. Uh, Before we get to him, of course, we are uh, starting a little late. Had a bit uh, of an intro of sorts. You know, it's funny. I, I started the show with kind of an open forum. Usually we book guests every 20 minutes or so for the first two hours of the show. But I wanted to talk about a lot of things that happened this weekend, the MMA awards, the final strike force um, of all time. But uh, we started late, so maybe I'll save that for the third hour. Um, most importantly, though, I just want to thank everyone for voting me for uh, the uh, voting for me for the 2012 World MMA Journalist of the Year. Three in a row, I can't even describe what that means to me, how much it means to me, um, how honored I am, how thankful I am to you. I know the fans voted for it, so I just wanted to thank all of you off the top and thank the good people at Fighters Only and the World MMA Awards over in Las Vegas, the production teams and whatnot, um, for hosting the event again. Enjoyed it very much, and and again, thank you so much to all the fans. Strikeforce was fun. It, it was an interesting show. It was it was kind of cool to be there. The last event, get the last interview with Scott Coker as CEO of Strikeforce. Memorable show. We'll talk about that, I'm sure, in the questions. Before we get to Mark Ratner, I want to play the clip of Hector Lombard, at least part of it, because uh, it's a long clip. He was on this radio show with uh, Alex Dono in South Florida and uh, over the summer, right before UFC 149, and he went off on me, and you need to hear that to really appreciate the interview coming up. Don't want to play it while he's there because it's a little while he's 
he's on the show because it's a little long and it will drag a bit. So um, here's the clip of Hector Lombard. So you have at least some sort of feeling for how he felt about me back in July. And then uh, we'll hear from him at around 2.40. First, the clip. Ariel Arawani is being asking all these guys questions and they just, they just follow. And, and they don't even realize that the guy just, you know, tried to use them and, and for, for, to get famous for himself, you know what I mean? Like, Ariel Luani is just a troublemaker. He goes behind the TV out of his house and interviewing all the fighters, what he thinks about all the fighters, and asking, you know, a lot of personal questions about fighters. And, and, and he, the guys just enjoy it. Enjoy how he's just fired up all the fighters and make all the fighters fight up to each other. When I believe that this is a joke, they should know about a little bit better. You know, like when somebody interview me, or when somebody interview me, I don't, I don't, I don't want to talk about somebody else, right? But when Ariel Eloani ask, you know, interview you. It's just about to start uh, to start trouble, you know. Like he's been asking all these fighters, all these middleweight fighters, right? Oh, what do you guys think about Hector? Oh, guys, what do you think about Hector? Do you guys think that he deserved the title shot? So all these dummies, all these dummies up there, oh, they they go ahead and they, you know, they just fire up without knowing. That the guy is just using to be his to be his company. He done it to me. He done it to Tito Ortiz. He done it to Rampy Johnson. And it's a it's a huge list. I don't get it. I don't get it. And and I still I still a little bit, you know, sort of like confused about if if you can do that, like just start trouble here and there, and you know, look cool. So Hector has has Ariel. Uh, when was the last time he tried to interview interview you? All right, so that's that's the clip. It was a longer clip. Um, I was going to play the whole thing, but we don't have time for that. You you get the sense there. Troublemaker, not a fan of me, uh, all that stuff. All valid points, sure. I've been trying to get him on this show. Been trying to interview Hector since July, and finally, I guess cooler heads prevailed. Maybe he likes me now. I don't know. He has agreed to come on the show in the second hour. So that's that's the background, and that's courtesy of Alex Dono. You heard his voice. Uh, great radio host. He works now at 560 WQAM over in Florida. Hector Lombard coming on in the second hour. Now, um, over the end of the, the, the year, UFC 155 um, at the post-fight press conference in Las Vegas, I asked UFC President Dana White, why doesn't the UFC just, at the end of the day, like they do overseas, regulate their own events. You know, Dana complains all the time about the referees, the judges. It happened again on Saturday night, Ryan Couture, KJ Nunes. Controversial. They seem sometimes incompetent. They seem like they don't know what they're doing. And it's ruining the sport, right? Why don't they just take matters into their own hands, like the NBA does, like the NFL does, like Major League Baseball? Have your own independent officiating judging, you know, there's no conflict of interest, in my opinion, because other sports do it. But there's this thought in, in combat sports, you can't do it, you got to go through the commissions, that's the law, they license you and all that. Well, laws, in my opinion, 
can be broken, can be revolutionized, can be changed. When I brought this up to Dana, he looked at me like I had 10 heads and everyone laughed and they thought it was silly. Well, in the last two months, the UFC overseas has caught five PD users, or at least five people who have uh, tested positive for banned substances, caught them, doing it better, in my opinion, than the commissions. And they have, in my opinion, the most respected man in combat sports leading the charge, the former uh, executive commissioner of, uh, executive director of the Nevada State Athletic Commission, who now works for them. He is their VP of Regulatory Affairs, and he is on the line right now here to clear things up for us. He is Mark Ratner, our good friend. Mark, how are you? Good, Ariel. Thank you very much uh, for those kind words, and I'm delighted to talk with you. So great to have you on the show, and uh, first things first, uh, great job over at the World MMA Awards, UFC winning promotion of the year. Most importantly, though, for you, congratulations on being inducted into the Nevada Boxing Hall of Fame with some pretty big names, uh, Mike Tyson, Sugar Ray Leonard, and there he is, Mark Ratner himself. That must be a, a pretty big thrill for a Nevada resident, right? Well, well yeah, that makes me very happy, and, and, and uh, De La Hoya and Chavez Jr., sure. to be with, with, with those guys uh, uh, makes it even more special, and the different people that... Uh, have started uh, this this Hall of Fame. The one thing I brought up to him is that uh, Jack Dempsey fought 10 or 11 times in the state of Nevada back in the 1920s and 1915s. So he should be one of the, uh, you know, they, they've got to go all the way back to the beginning of the century when they really want to make a boxing Hall of Fame. So they're looking at that too. Well, that would be great. I mean, there's there's certainly a long list of, of, of fighters and, you know, hopefully we get some UFC guys in there, MMA guys, certainly the Nevada being the the uh, the home state, if you will, of the UFC. And uh, one of the reasons why I wanted to have you on the show was part of what I was talking about uh, in the introduction. But uh, before we get to that, this is a big week for you, right? I mean, this is one of those fight weeks where you're back in charge. It's an overseas event. It's over in Brazil. There's no commission there. So you get to put the commissioner hat back on, if you will. Do you enjoy that? Do you enjoy being able to regulate the events, uh, the, the overseas ones? Yes, uh, it's certainly part of my, my life, and uh, uh, I've, I've got to go all over the world doing it, whether it be Abu Dhabi or the U.K. or Germany or, or Japan. Uh, this time in Brazil, they are forming a commission. We are going to, uh, we're trying to help grow the sport, and they are, so we're, we're not going to be completely in charge. So it's oh. a little bit different, and this is very important for us because we want commissions in all these different places. Uh, I, I think... Uh, it, it's better to have a, a commission learn about the sport and really regulate it. But in the meantime, to grow the sport, that's what we're doing, and we're making sure that uh, this commission understands that. So you were back in Brazil uh, in October. You returned on Saturday for UFC on FX7. Did this Was this commission around in October, or is this the first time that you're going to be working with them? Uh, they were monitoring it back in October, and this will be the first time that they will... Uh, they will be doing it. Uh, now, I am not going to be able to go, but uh, uh, our, our senior legal counsel, Mike Merch, will be there. We have Jess Gonzalez, uh, who is a former regulator from the state of Wisconsin. So uh, we'll have the right people in place. Uh, I have all the um, work with this commission. We have all the judges and referees. We're ready for a Saturday night as well as the Sunday fight-ins for the tough show that will be taking place uh, filming the next, uh, next couple months there. So they're up and running. They're, they're officially yes. a commission over there in Brazil. And is it a, a country commission, or like does Sao Paulo have a different commission than Rio de Janeiro? It's, it's supposedly going to be a country commission. 
Right now, they'll be headquartered in Rio and or Sao Paulo. I'm not sure where the headquarters will be, but this is uh, just the beginning of it. And uh, this will be a good learning exercise, but they have been monitoring actually the last, I believe, three shows. Will they drug test? Yes. Okay. Drug testing will definitely be in, uh, and, and uh, every fighter on the card, as we do in all foreign locales without a commission, will be drug tested. So all 22 or 24 fighters will be drug tested. You mentioned, you know, the UFC wants there to be athletic commissions in place. You want to work with them. Um, so now I bring up what I brought up to you on Friday and what I brought up to Dana when you looked at me like I had 10 heads. Clearly, there is an issue here, right? Clearly, you go to somewhere like Oklahoma City, and this is what I, I often bring up. When the NBA you know, moved to Oklahoma City, right? When, when the Supersonics moved there and became the Thunder, the local Oklahoma City referees didn't get a chance to start now refing NBA games. It wasn't their chance at the big time. But yet, when the UFC or Strikeforce or Bellator comes to a market for the first time, you often see these guys who aren't qualified to be refing and judging Major League MMA. Uh, too often, we see issues like this. We see what happened with KJ Nunes and, and Ryan Couture. We see what happened with Melvin Gillard and, and Jamie Varner when one judge gives a 30-27 when it was clear that the other guy won all the rounds, etc., etc. Why can't the UFC go off on their own, start an independent, you know, hire someone, do it themselves, and now not you know, have to deal with these issues anymore. Why can't the rules be changed? Why can't a Kurt Flood type situation happen where there's a revolution and, and things become better for the sport? Well, I, I guess there, there could be. Uh, this is unlike the NBA or NFL where you have full-time officials or Major League Baseball who have um, who have unions. Uh, certainly, it's a little bit different situation here. We're governed by not not internationally, but every every American state has their own commission, and, and it would be a major major change. I, I'm not sure how you'd have to do it. You probably have to have a lawsuit in every state. Uh, the way the the rules are written, uh, when you come to Nevada, you're going to be regulated by the Nevada Commission, and and if you don't want to go under them, then they're not going to let you here. So I think it, it would be a, a huge undertaking, uh, and, and, and there would be, unlike any other sport, uh, there's, this is pretty subjective. There's, it, it's not quite as easy as it sounds. Uh, certainly there's some sub subjectivity in sports like diving or gymnastics, but there's controversies in, in those too. I think that uh, we have to keep on deepening the pool of officials. We've got to keep pushing this. We've got to keep uh, actually teaching uh, more seminars from these states. But uh, I, I do agree that there are problems in the judging, not so much in the refereeing, but you're also right when we go to certain places, they demand some of their people to work. I, I make notes on everybody who works wherever we go in the country. And if there has been a problem, then I will will say to the commission, if we're going back to, let's say, Illinois or somewhere, so these people have worked our show before and didn't do a good job, or these people in Oklahoma. And uh, I've already talked to the Oklahoma commission today just to talk about the uh, K.J. Nunes-Ryan Couture fight. Oh, really? So uh, I, I try to stay on top of that. Um, but judging is very subjective. So uh, that's not going to change. I know it's a big question. I, I know you can't paint everyone with the same brush, but do you think that the commissions in MMA are doing a good job, doing a good job of, you know, like you said, finding the right people, cultivating them, uh, teaching them, and then even after the events, 
sitting down and, and, and asking them, why did you do it this way? Why did you make this call? Why did you score it this way? Are they doing a good enough job? From a guy who was in that seat for so many years, who was the one that everyone looked up to, do you believe that they are doing a good job? Oh, I think there, there, there has to be a lot more done. There are certain states that uh, they don't have that many fights. Or some of them are on Indian reservations and the commissions aren't involved. So their experience level is, uh, is not as good as it should be. It's still a brand-new sport. When we're talking about this sport, it's really, I, I don't even go back to 1993. It's really from, from 2001, 2002 on, where, where a lot of these states are just starting. And it's going to take a while to deepen the pool. Uh, it, it's, uh, it's not going to be an overnight process, but uh, certainly it can be better. But if we go to boxing, which has been around 150 years, there are still uh, the Pacquiao fight with Bradley is still as controversial as can be, and those judges are very experienced. So I, I think that uh, it's, it's really not fair to paint the brush saying that, uh, that the sport is really, really hurting. I, I, I think there are some decisions, but if you look at the number of fights that happen, uh, it's not quite as big a problem as, as some people see it. You're obviously doing a great job with the UFC, but do you ever get that itch to go back on the other side of the fence and uh, say, all right, I'm going to clean things up, I'm going to do this and that. Like, do you ever sit there and wish, ah, you know, it would be fun for maybe a few months to get to do my old job? Uh, no, because I'm, I'm lucky enough to be able to do some of these self-regulating uh, mm -hmm. uh, around the world. But uh, I certainly still love boxing. Uh, I, I, my, best, uh, my, my best analogy would be I have two children in my real life and, and uh, in my sports life of boxing my older child. Uh, mixed martial arts is my younger, and uh, there's plenty of room to love them both. I, I really dislike when people tell me they have to choose one over the other. There's no reason. It's two separate sports, and there's no no reason not to like them both if you like combat. Do you want to stop regulating those overseas events? Like, if you had it your way, would you rather not be in that position anymore? I think in order to uh, to keep on growing the sport that you need regulatory uh, oversight, uh, whether it be in France, whether it be in Germany. I, I've talked with the British Boxing Board of Control about putting uh, mixed martial arts under their purview. So far, they've resisted. Uh, and, and that's why we, we, we want to keep growing the sport, and we're going to keep pushing that way. So, uh, yes, I, I would like to see it regulated by the different uh, sports ministers in these different countries. Uh, to me, what I find to be, I guess, uh, upsetting is that the commissions don't seem to want to change. They don't seem to want to, you know, if you criticize them, they get very defensive. Um, and, and there's things to be critiqued, right? I mean, a perfect example, and one that you brought up when I spoke to you about it a, a couple months ago, marijuana being viewed at as a, as a PED. And, and, and if someone tests positive for marijuana, they get the same kind of suspension, uh, usually as if someone tests positive for steroids. But when you, you know, when you regulate an event overseas, you have made it known that you don't view it that way. Do you think that the commissions will follow suit? I think eventually, yes. And, and, and certainly with the, with the more states that are legalizing uh, marijuana or medical marijuana, I, I think that, yeah, our, our views have to change. I was at a hearing last week uh, here in the state of Nevada where uh, two kickboxers, not, not mixed martial arts, but kickboxers took uh, some kind of a water pill so they could uh, shed their weight, so they could cut their weight. And, and I certainly don't equate that with a performance-enhancing drug, and they both were suspended for nine months. And I think the commission has to look at that and, and really uh, 
treat uh, all these different uh, all these different kinds of drugs and and, and different products uh, differently. They can't just say everything's going to be nine months or a year, and and that's certainly one thing I'm fighting for. Is there a chance that um, you know I, I I don't know at some point the commissions I, I know they have their there's you know sometimes hearings they come together and but, but they they help each other out where they you know they come together they have these like ABC things and all that but where they actually come together and they really try to get all on the same page because to me it doesn't really feel like the commission state by state are truly on the same page do you disagree? Uh, no, I don't disagree. Uh, I've been going to the uh, ABC meetings for uh, over 20 years. I've asked for a certain a couple of things that I still believe in the standardized medical tests so that. The medical tests are the same in every state, uh, and, and we're still fighting that. There's states' rights issues. I, I don't understand why uh, there cannot be one one set of medical standards, one set of licensing uh, standards throughout the country. Uh, it just uh, it, it gets me crazy, and I bring it up every year. And uh, states say they're going to go back and change their uh, change their laws and and and, uh, and their regulations. And so far, uh, that has not happened. Uh, and that disappoints me. Uh, there are certain states that are very, very well, uh, well regulated, and, and certain states that just don't have enough fights and, and are not as good, and they don't have full-time people. So it's, uh, it's a problem. There's no question about it. Which is the best, in your opinion? Which is the best state right now? Can you say that, or is that is that something? No, I, I wouldn't say that. Uh, uh, but I will say that certain states uh, certainly do it better. And uh, uh, sure. But I, I don't, I don't want to have 20 states get mad at us. So we, we go to our of them anyway, but uh, I'm on the phone every day with one state or a couple states. I uh, just uh, have a message into the New York Commission today on some questions uh, oh. that I have with them. So, oh. uh, so will... yeah, so I'm, I'm in complete communication with, with most of the states. Well, obviously, I was going to ask you about New York. I'll, I'll get there in a second, but just one more question about when you regulate events. Does it shock you? And obviously, there's always going to be an issue as far as PEDs in, in this sport, any sport, but like I said, last two months, you caught five people, five fighters who use banned substances, and I give you kudos for that. Does it shock you when guys do this, when it's a UFC-regulated event? Like, do you think that they think because it's overseas they can get away with this? Uh, I, I don't know what they think, but I've certainly made it very clear, and we've made it very clear that uh, when we go out of the country and self-regulate it, it's not random testing now. It's every fighter in the car is going to be tested for PEDs and uh, drugs of abuse. So uh, it should not be a, uh, I mean, nobody should test positive on a show, but they still do. And uh, the one thing that we're not going to do is overlook it. Uh, we, we test them, and if they test positive, then we're going uh, to announce it to the world. Sometimes it takes a little bit longer because we have to let the fighters know, and it takes a little bit longer to get the test back. But if it does happen, then uh, we're not going to hide it and let the people know. Now, you mentioned New York. Dana White got me very excited at the UFC 155 post-fight press conference when he said that the plan is 20th anniversary. He wants to put a show in MSG, you know, and he has a big fight already planned for it. I mean, he, he got me very excited. And, of course, MMA isn't legalized here in the great state of New York. He didn't have no, a lot of uh, information as to what's going on. I come to you with these questions. What is going on? Is it going to happen this year? Well, uh, that's that's been my fervent hope for the last five years. Uh, we're waiting right now to. Uh, we are hoping that the governor, Governor Cuomo, puts it in his budget. That would alleviate a lot of problems. Uh, if he doesn't, uh, we're prepared to uh, 
to put a bill in again with the Senate and the Assembly and, and, and have it passed, or we're cautiously optimistic. Our, uh, our bill sponsor is, is now the majority leader of the Assembly. I think that's a positive. So we're moving along. Uh, it's about education. It's still going to be uh, it's a Nevada problem uh, with, the, uh, with the unions. They are very strong and pushing against the regulation in New York. But uh, it's not a question of if. It's still a question of when, and it's, it's going to happen. And hopefully uh, this will be the year. So you, if, I know, you know you're in Nevada right now, so it's a betting state. Um, if you were a betting man, would you bet that the 20th anniversary show does happen at MSG this year? I would say the odds are um, probably about 60-40 against us. But oh. if, we, uh, if we are able to get into this uh, governor's budget, uh, I make us, uh, then, then I think we will have it. And we certainly have the date reserved. Uh, we want to come to the Garden. We want to uh, we want to have a show in Buffalo someday. Uh, I mean, we, there's a lot of places. We've already heard from the new arena in Brooklyn. Uh, we've heard from Syracuse. We've heard from uh, from Albany, and it looks like I'll be going to Albany in the next uh, four or five weeks for the, uh, I think, 16th time. So uh, <laughs> it's it's, uh, <laughs> uh, it's it's just uh, we're we're not going to give it up. We're we're going to keep fighting until we get the sport regulated. So is that the timeline? Next four or five weeks, the ball starts rolling for 2013. Yes. Yeah. The the the, uh, the legislature will start meeting very soon, and. Uh, yeah, we'll just keep going, but uh, it, it would be a great, uh, a, a great thing if the governor just uh, puts it in his in, in his budget and, and and hopefully stays there and we get it passed. Uh, last year we were very close. I believe in my heart we had the votes in the assembly. We passed the Senate with I think it was 24 to two. We get to the assembly and it never gets on the floor. And I, I really believe we had the uh, the amount of votes, but the uh, the speaker uh, did not let it. Uh, appear on the floor, and, uh, and so we never got it voted on. All I want is a vote up or down. I, I just don't want to be in the background right. and not get our chance to, 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 to get up to bat. That's, that's my best analogy there. Very good one as well. And what about uh, Connecticut? What's the update there? Connecticut is very, very much the same as New York, I'm sorry to say. That's, that's another union problem. Uh, uh, we've been talking to the uh, XL Arena in Hartford, another arena in Bridgeport, uh, they're begging for us to come. They, the fans want us. The, uh, the fighters want to be there. It's, it's, it's the same thing. And, and going back to New York, and as well as Connecticut, they're having these amateur fights that aren't regulated. Mm. And, and they advertise them. And, and these fights are going on. So it, it just uh, it's nonsensical not to have the sport regulated. And, and from an economic standpoint, from a health and, and, and welfare standpoint, standpoint uh, not to have real doctors at these fights, not to have ambulances, not to have insurance. These fighters are, are not getting paid. Uh, it just it just doesn't make sense, and that, that's one of our, our, our basic things that we're trying to show the Assembly and show the Senate. Hey, these fights are going on. Why not regulate them? Why not bring some income in? Finally, Mark, you know, just to go back to the officiating, is it true when Dana says, you know, we're, we're, we're being— we're being regulated here by the government. There's nothing we can do. Can the UFC at least work with them, work with the commissions, even if it's a bit of funding and whatnot, uh, seminars, as far you know, as like um, after the fact, sitting down and looking, you know, just helping. As uh, instead of just saying we can't do anything, is there anything the U- UFC can do that they're not doing now that you would like to see be done in the future to make this sport better? 
Well, that, I think that's really a big part of my job, and, and that's why I do talk to all these commissions and try to get it better and uh, encourage them to have seminars. Uh, a lot of the referees are putting on seminars across the country now, and we need more judging seminars. Uh, the ABC is putting on, uh, at their annual convention, convention, more of these kind of seminars. It's just going to take some time, but uh, I'm certainly uh, pushing for it uh, as a representative from the UFC, and uh, that's why I go to all these meetings. Uh, I agree it's it's very important, uh, and we're going to keep pushing for it. But you seem optimistic. You're, you're not as down on the situation as I am. I am uh, well. Maybe I look at it uh, a little bit differently. Yeah. Uh, we, we have uh, there's a lot of fights going on that uh, that the officiating is fine, but uh, but it comes up, and, and uh, I don't try to hide behind it. I was disappointed in the in the fight here uh, that you mentioned when one judge had a thirty twenty seven, and, and and it looked like to me a clear win, and, and uh, I've I've gone to the commission and and, and certainly voiced my uh, my criticism toward it. So uh, and I think they're aware of it. They had a they had a seminar here about uh, a month ago for the first time in a while, and, and they know that uh, they're being looked at. And the, the, more of the big fights happen in Nevada than any other place, so they've got to be on their toes also. Do you have a good relationship with the Nevada Commission? Uh, I talk to them uh, uh, two or three times a week, absolutely. Okay, I don't know. Maybe I, I don't know what kind of terms. I mean, everyone loves you, but I don't know what kind of terms you left on. Uh, uh, I, I believe I left on very, very good terms. Uh, it's, it's a, uh, uh, I look back upon my days and it's almost, almost seven years I've been gone. So things have changed, of course, but, uh, I, I still believe that the, uh, to be the executive director of the Nevada Athletic Commission is the best regulatory job in the world. And I certainly wouldn't trade my 14 years there as a director for anything. And uh, that's what propelled me into a, to getting into this regulatory world with the UFC, and uh, I'm just delighted that I was able to uh, to do that. And by the way, if you don't mind me asking, how old are you, Mark? Uh, I do mind. I'm an old okay. guy here. I'm, uh, <laughs> well, <laughs> I don't mind. No, I'm uh, I, I'm uh, over 65 now, and uh, not quite ready to uh, get collect my Social Security or whatever. But uh, uh, no, it's uh, so it's you foresee labor yourself. Love. You foresee yourself doing this for many years to come. There, there's no, there's no end for you as far as working for the UFC and just retiring and enjoying your life? Because I'm sure this is a stressful job. Uh, there's there's a lot of aggravations every once in a while, but knock on wood, as long as my health is good. And uh, uh, I, I, I love uh, I love coming to work every day. Uh, Dana makes me laugh. And uh, Lorenzo, Lorenzo has a vision that he can see around the corner. I can see down the street, but he can see down the street and around the corner. And uh, it energizes me to work with these guys. Well, you are a true gem in our sport, a true class act. I mean, always have been very kind to me. Always a pleasure to see you at the events. Uh, talk a little Judaism, talk, talk a little basketball, talk a little fighting. It's always a pleasure to see you. Great to have you on the show. And, and you know what? I actually feel a little better about the whole situation. I felt a little bad about it, and now you made me feel better. I think that's why you are who you are. And, and even more importantly, uh, in your acceptance speech, and congrats on, on, on getting your award again. Thank you. Dedicated to your son, which which made me feel even even closer to you. I thought that was a, a great thing to do, and it's always about family. Thank you very much, Mark. Appreciate it. Good to see you, as always. I'll see you very soon at the next event. Thank you very much for clearing up some of these uh, these issues that have been bothering us for some time. 
All right. Thanks, Ariel. There he is, Mark Ratner, the VP of Regulatory Affairs for the UFC, a class act. A, a, one of the, I mean, if you, you don't know who Mark Ratner is, look him up, read about him. Um, there's a reason why he is in the first class um, that is being inducted into the, the brand-new Nevada Boxing Hall of Fame, um, as he mentioned. Worked over a decade at the uh, Nevada State Athletic Commission, really put them on the map um, a, as far as being the premier commission in all of sports, all of the athletic commissions. They are, the, they are far and away the, the, the leaders in that regard, and now they're being uh, led by Keith Kaiser. Uh, still, I think, some issues there, as, uh, as we've talked about on the show. I've talked about you know, on Twitter and whatnot, but he's optimistic, so I'll be optimistic. There you have it, Mark Ratner. And if you want to ask him any questions, he's actually quite active on Twitter. His Twitter handle is uh, Mark Ratner UFC. That's Mark with a C, the French way. And uh, you can get some updates on, you know, New York, Connecticut. Any questions about judging, officiating? Um, very interesting to note about that Brazil commission that he told us about. So. There you have it, Mark Ratner. All right, let's move along. Like I mentioned, Brazil this weekend, UFC FX7, huge fight, Vitor Belfort versus our guest right now, Michael the Count Bisping. Mike, how are you? I'm very good, Ariel. Good to have you. Almost ha- boring me to death there, but I managed to stay awake. Again with the board. I mean, last week I bored you, now I bored you. You don't like well, Mark Ratner? talking about some commission stuff. Your listeners don't want to hear that. I know you fill in a little, little bit of time, <laughs> but come on, let's get to the good stuff. Your viewers, are, your listeners are waiting. You don't like Mark Ratner? I thought everyone loved Mark Ratner. I love Mark Ratner. Who doesn't like Mark Ratner? But come on. Okay, okay. Better well, things to talk about. All right, well, we're going to talk about Vitor Belfort and you, Michael Bisping. Hopefully you come up big and you get that title shot that you've been uh, waiting for for quite some time. You weren't a fan of that interview that we had with uh, Vitor on the show last week, huh? Did you, did you get to listen to the whole thing? <laughs> no, I was only playing. Listen, um, I've got tremendous respect for Vitor. He's a very tough opponent. He's, uh, he carries himself... You know, very well. You know, he's a decent human being. Um, but, you know, we're going to fight. So I'm going to stir the pot a little. Why not? I'm going to have a little bit of fun. I'm going to generate some, some interest. Hopefully going to uh, push a few buttons, stir a few emotions. I certainly fight better when I'm like that. So uh, I'm just doing what I need to. I need to step into a cage and, you know, try my best to beat the living crap out of the guy. You know, so um, I'm, I'm going to do what I need to to mentally prepare. It's interesting you say that because you've been writing these fantastic blog posts for uh, Yahoo Sports, some of your best work, I might say. And, oh, and, 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 but you did mention something that's kind of interesting based on what you just said here because you said you had a nice relationship with Vitor. You were in the same locker room at UFC 152. Then when you went to Brazil to hype the fight, you saw that he was talking behind your back and, 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 and talking smack. And then you went up to him and he said, hey, you know, I was just trying to hype the fight. Now you're just saying you're trying to hype the fight. You're doing exactly what he did. So what's your problem? No, of course, of course. And listen, I'll take anything and everything. Listen, I'll take the smallest little piece. Uh, and it could be nothing. It could be an innocent little remark. But in my head, I'm going to multiply that massively and turn a, a molehill into a mountain because that's what I need to do. And that's how I fight better and that's how I perform. So if any of my opponents in the past, present or future give me a, a, an ounce of material to go on, then I'm going to go on that and I'm going to turn it into a big thing because that fuels me. That's what gets me out of bed. That's what gets me in the octagon. And that's what helps me perform at such a high level. So he started this, right? If he didn't go oh, that route... Yeah, come on, I, I never start anything, Ariel. You know me. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not that guy. <laughs> Man, you, you know that clip that you're talking about in, in the blog post, him uh, caressing a foot? You know that's his wife, right? Listen, I just saw Vitor 
stuck in tars, and I nearly threw up. That's all, you know, I'm not interested in whose foot it was, Ariel. You know, all I know is that I'm going to stick my foot up his ass. <laughs> I thought it was very romantic, to be honest. I thought it was beautiful. Yeah. That right there was, yeah, that was beautiful. And Good for him. Good for him. He can suck my tars on Saturday night. Oh, that's very nice. Now, you are in Brazil right now. What's it like? How are they treating you there? Well, the people of Brazil are very, very nice, but I've got to say... I'm oh. very disappointed with the weather. I thought it'd be hot and glorious and sunshine, and it's kind of like a rainy day in England right now. It's pissing down with rain. Oh. It's um, very, very cloudy and overcast. And yeah, but uh, no, it, it's, it's a very, very nice city. And uh, when I had a nice meal last night, very nice people. I only got here yesterday, so still early days, but um, so far, so good. Is it summertime there now? It is summertime here, yes. I noticed that you flew out on Saturday and you tweeted a pic. You had a very big smile on your face. You seemed very happy. And it seemed like your team was behind you. And based on the seats, it looked like you were in business class and they were in coach. Is that accurate? Well, it, almost accurate. I was in first class and they was in coach. But what Whoa. can you do? <laughs> wow. what, what, what can I say? No, but I was very happy. I was very happy. Listen, uh, it's been a, a long, hard training camp. And, um, you know, when you... Uh, but when you fly to the destination city where the fight is, you know, the hard work is done. Now it's time for the fun. Obviously, you've got to cut weight. You've got to, uh, you know, do all your necessary obligations the week of the fight. But the real hard, intense work is done, you know. Now, now it's time to revel in the glory and, and, and uh, you know, the hard work's going to pay off. So, yeah, yeah, you know, I mean, I'm sat on a plane. I'm flying off to Brazil. I've got a big smile on my face. I'm doing the job I love. You know, I'm very passionate about what I do. I love this. So why wouldn't I have a smile on my face? But most importantly, shouldn't you be in the same class with your team? I mean, you're, you're a man of the people. Nah, why should like they be class? Listen, Ariel, I'll tell you what. You can pay for them then. <laughs> well, can't the UFC do that? Like, that should be part of your contract. Hey, listen, speak to Dana. Speak to Dana and Lorenzo. Tell right. them I want my corner flying up business class. And I'm sure they will laugh you out of the building. Now, I noticed you had a bit of a shiner. I Is... did have a bit of a shiner, yes. Who gave you that? My son. Yeah, no, I'm kidding. No, uh, barring, you know, I, you know, I, I, I don't generally get hit, but I think somebody must have, you know, maybe it was a thumb, something like that, because certainly nobody landed a glove. Come on. Okay. All right. So, but, but <laughs> you're. Nah, nah, I've had some good sparring. It's been yeah. hard. So, um, yeah, I'm, I'm prepared for this fight. I've worked very, very hard, and uh, I'm very happy with the way I'm performing right now. But yeah, you do get clips now and again in training. Did besides, you, it makes me look sexy. It does. I, I have to admit, you looked very good in that picture. You had a nice smile. The oh, hair was I, looking good. Um, now, did you bring in anyone special to, to mimic Vitor? I just brought in... Well, see, the, the thing, getting hold of um, decent southpaw spine partners can be quite tricky. But for this fight, um, I did pretty well. We had Alexander Shlomenko. Mm. Uh, he, he worked with me quite a lot, so he's a great spar. Um, Jay Silver, he used to be in the UFC. He's actually very explosive and he's a good striker. Um, Lorenz Larkin from Strikeforce, um, to name but a few, and wow. as well brought in a few good, decent southpaw boxers as well. So, you know, uh, and that was just on the striking side. I brought in some good wrestlers, some good jiu-jitsu guys. Um, so, you know, I prepared very well for this fight, and my skill set has increased. And um, you know, I'm I'm feeling very, very confident. Now, most of the people listening to this haven't seen this, but I was in Las Vegas on Friday at the uh, MMA Awards, and you won International Fighter of the Year. Now, let's be honest. Did you expect to win it because you were only 1-1 one one in 2012? Why, why can't you just give me a compliment? I've got to give it a one oh, you were Fighter of the Year, but then take it away with <laughs> insulting me. Listen, the people have spoken, Ariel. Okay. Who are we? I'm just a mere mortal. I cannot judge. If... if 
Thousands, and believe you me, it was a huge landslide victory, according to the sources at Fighters Only. Oh, okay. If that's what the people vote for, then that's what the people vote for. And who are me or you to judge the people, Ariel? No. Just go with it, take it, and just bow down and know that the International Fighter of the Year is on the phone with you. It was, it was a great speech, uh, perhaps maybe six <laughs> minutes a, a, a little long, because your ending was great. You said to all the haters out there, shove it up your ass, but it took you like 10 minutes to get there. Jeez, I mean, you, and you taped it. You could have, like, retaped it and cut it down a little no, bit no, to no, get no, your no. point. Listen, I was sparring. They turned up. I just said a few words. It's up to the editors then, you oh. know. I just said I, I thanked my team. I thanked my team. I thanked my sparring partners. I thanked my coaches. I thank my sponsors, I thank my management, I thank uh, my family and everyone that voted. You know, what do you want me to do? Do you not want me to thank them people, Ariel? Well, you know who you didn't thank, they, I, and I think they've been very good to you, the media. The media has been a very media. big part oh, of your career. Oh, sorry, I forgot to give Ariel Helwani. Ariel Igor Helwani <laughs> a mention. Next time I will do that. You didn't mention winning the UFC Tonight trivia show, which I thought was probably I the didn't. thing. I didn't. Oh, that's right. Yeah. yeah. Damn, damn. Now, uh, Mike, can you uh, tell me, who is this Tyson Fury guy that everyone keeps asking me about? Oh, my God. What is going on here? Yeah, um, obviously we all saw Cain Velasquez do a fantastic job against Junior Dos Santos. And then uh, Tyson Fury, this is only, I've only discovered this recently, but um, he's a boxer in the UK. Apparently, you know, he's doing quite well. Um, and he's, um, he's calling out the UFC heavyweight champion now. And uh, one of the newspapers in England called me up and um, asked me what I thought of it. And I said, listen, I said, I always support British sportsmen. I always support British athletes, you know, and I wish them all the best. I said, but uh, a, a boxer calling out the heavyweight champion of the world. And, you know, no offense to this guy. He's not even the best boxer in Britain, far from it, you know. So, um, you know, him calling out the heavyweight champion of the world in the UFC uh, isn't a smart move. And, you know, he needs to get a grip. And... Um, Obviously, he read the quote, and then he started bad-mouthing me. And to be honest, I never really knew who he was. But I looked him up on the Internet, and the first thing I found was a clip of him on YouTube throwing an uppercut. He misses his opponent and punches himself in the head. It's classic. You've got to check it out. <laughs> so um, based upon him punching himself in the face, I then decided to no longer give him any of my attention. Just curious, one last question on him. Could you beat him in a boxing match? Come on, Ariel. No? Let's get serious. Of course I could. Oh, okay, okay. Just, 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 just wondering. All right, so let, let's uh, let's end on Vitor Bell. And by the way, just wondering, where did you figure out where that trophy, the UFC Tonight trivia trophy? No, I still have it. I do. I very much have it. I, I sleep. It's next <laughs> to my bed. I sleep with it every night. I give it a little kiss, and I think of you, Ariel. Uh, now, I know your boyfriend Chris Wyman's going to get jealous when I talk uh, about that. But, oh, uh, are you excited for him to come back? He's coming back. Is he coming back? Yeah, what, he's... Off his little hiatus, his little vacation that he's taking. Oh, bless him, he hurt his shoulder. By the way, how fun was it to watch UFC 155 to see all these middleweight contenders just sort of disappear? And then you, you, well, you, no, you and Weidman I mean, are the last men standing. That they lost because I, I've always felt, you know, very confident that I could, you know, take care of Alan Belcher and Tim Bosch, and I've got nothing against him personally. And actually, I'd just, just like to say that... Um, Tim Boach and Alan Boach seem like really, really nice guys, you know, so I have nothing against him personally, and, you know, this, this world of UFC and fighting, you know, you've you got to do what you can to get ahead, etc. So I have nothing against him personally, but I've always felt, but particularly Alan Belcher, he's been calling me out for years and years and years, and I've always felt, you know, I could take care of him pretty easily, and uh, I plan on taking care of business on Saturday night and beating Vitor, and then I plan on fighting Anderson later in the year and taking the title off him, and I thought, 
Alan Belcher, Tim Bowes, they're doing well. A little bit of title talk around them. They could be two nice little easy title defences for me. So actually seeing them get beat um, was, was quite saddening for me. Mm. But it did, it did kind of open the door for this fight to be a true number one contender fight. But it's kind yeah, of... Yeah, no, it did. But it's not for Vitor, right? It's just it's for you. The, no, it's not. Yeah, that's kind of interesting, right? What's your point? Well, it means that you're getting a really big opportunity here. That means the UFC thinks very highly of you. Oh, thank you very much. Yeah, well, the thing is with Vito, he fought Anderson quite recently. Yeah. And, um, you know, we all know what happened in that fight. He got taken out in the first round, you know, with that amazing front kick that Anderson threw. So I think it would be hard um, maybe for the UFC to sell that fight to the public. Who knows? Uh, or maybe, you know... It just happened recently. That, that, that's the thing. And I, I, I truly believe Vito is the hardest fight outside of Anderson in the middleweight division. Uh, I think if I beat Vito, then you know, I, I certainly deserve a title shot, and I think I'll, I'll do very well against Anderson. You know? But right now, all I'm thinking about is, is Vito Belfort. He, he's, as I said, he's a tremendous opponent. He's fought a who's who of MMA. The only people that have beaten him are all-time greats. You know? He's recent run in the UFC. He's only been beaten by John Jones and Anderson Silva, the two pound-for-pound best in the world. So fortunately, Saturday night when I beat him, I'll be joining good company. Um, but you know, I prepared hard. I want to publicly thank all my coaches, training partners, MMA elite, Paradigm Sports Management. This again. helps me. Thank you all. But uh, I'm ready for Saturday night. My confidence is at an all-time high. Everyone tune in. FX, Saturday night, free TV. You're getting a pay-per-view worthy main event for absolutely free, and it's going to be one hell of a fight. It sounded like you're trying to wrap up the interview here, but I have a couple no, more questions. No, I'm not questions. trying to wrap it up. Well, I've, got, usually... I've got nothing better to do than speak to you <laughs> by a cr- cracky landline um, on the other side of the world. Is this your, in your opinion, are you viewing this as your last chance to get a title shot? No, absolutely not. Listen, I, I think, um, you know, I haven't fought for the title yet, um, and... I, I, I think I'm destined to be world champion one day. No one works as hard as me. I've definitely got the skill set. I've got the tools. I've got the mental, you know, the mental capacity to, to achieve that, you know, the mental toughness that's required. I've got all the ingredients. Um, maybe in the past I wasn't ready. Now I feel ready. Um, the fact that I've built myself back up and I've got myself to this position again, I think is a testament to my mental toughness and, and my desire to win and, and continue. I've been in the UFC seven years. Uh, and, you know, God forbid this doesn't go my way on Saturday night. I'm not going away. I'm not going away that easily. I'll go away. I'll dust myself off. I'll build myself back up, and I'll be back in this position again, and I will win. But right now, I'm not even thinking about that. I'm very, very confident, you know. If Vito beats me on Saturday night, then, then you know, you'll hear no excuses from me. Fair play to the guy. He beat the best version of me right now, and he's one hell of a fighter, you know. But um, I truly believe I'm going to do it. It's not going to be easy. It's going to be tough. I know he's a hard man, but... Um, Believe me, I'm going to win this fight. I asked him about what you claim to be uh, his illegal punches, right, to the back of the head. He said yeah. he doesn't do that. You just have to make sure you don't turn your head that way. I mean, he can't, he can't help himself in those uh, cases. Oh, no, that's right. You know, um, <laughs> listen, the people that he put in that position are pretty easy to hit, and he led face down. But we all know he punched them all repeatedly in the back of the head. You know, you know that, Ariel. You've told me that in the past before yourself. What? I never said that. Yeah, you did. That, that is. Yeah, you did. <laughs> that's live. That's slanderous. Lying. S- slanderous. Um, no, you never told me that. But no, <laughs> listen. He, he he dropped Akiyama and he dropped uh, Franklin fair and square. But then he followed them up with punches to the back of he- back of the head. Now, you know, uh, he was just carried away in the moment, of course. But he's not going to get me in that position. Um, Rich Franklin's a fantastic fighter, but let's be honest, he just got knocked out of Kung Lee. So 
we can all forget about that one. And <laughs> Akiyama, I fought him myself. He's quite easy to hit. I think I'm going to cause Belfort a lot of problems with my movement, my speed, my head movement. You know, um, I'm much more elusive than uh, other fighters he's fought. But that said, I'm going to be right in front of him, going forward, pushing the pace. This isn't a chess match. I'm not looking to scrape a decision. I'm looking to win the fight in style and take him out. So, um, but I think stylistically, I'm a bad matchup for him. Final question to you, Michael. Uh, and this, I, I'm really looking forward to this. If you win on Saturday, what's going to happen when you get that microphone, that crowd? I mean, Vitor, second to second to Anderson, he's like a he's like a god there in Brazil. But not only that, you ha- would have just beaten him, and you're about to fight their number one god, Anderson, right? The the, the most popular fighter maybe in the world. What are you going to say on the microphone? Who knows? Listen, you know, I don't really plan a lot of things. Everything's off the cuff. Really? And, uh, That's surprising. You know, you know what I mean? So, uh, who knows? I mean, I've had my little indiscretions in the past, and, and that's heat of the moment and adrenaline. So, God knows what's going to happen Saturday night. Tune in and check it out. Who knows? Will you have security there, it's just in case? For shock. Will you have security with you, just in case? Personal security? No, I don't need personal security. All right. But, uh, no, listen, you know, if that was to happen, I've got nothing but respect for Anderson Silva, and I'm really happy to be down here in Brazil fighting... You know, this is the home of MMA. This is where it evolved. This is where, you know, it all started. The culture of jiu-jitsu, everything. I'm very, very proud to be down here, taking part in the first main event in the first UFC in Sao Paulo. Um, you know, I, I, I love my job. I love doing what I do. And um, as I say, regarding Anderson, fingers crossed I do the business. I think Vitor Belfort has been a very good tune-up for Anderson Silva. You know, in some ways, they're, they're quite similar. Uh, but, um, you know, right now, as I said, it's all about Vitor Belfort. All right, Mike. Well, we appreciate the time, especially over there. I know you're very busy. Always good to have you on the show. Good luck this Saturday. FX Live, Vitor Belfort versus Michael Bisping. If Michael Bisping wins, he will finally get that title shot that has been eluding him throughout his UFC career. Michael Bisping versus Anderson. That should be a great fight as well. Good luck to you, my friend. And uh, maybe we'll talk to you next week when you're the number one contender. Fingers crossed. All right. Thanks, guys. Thanks, Ariel. Thanks, everybody who's going to tune in and watch the fight and supported me throughout my career. means a lot. really does. Cheers, guys. Cheers, Mike. There he is, Michael okay. Bisping, joining us from Sao Paulo, Brazil. And I wanted to correct him on something. He said that was the first UFC in Sao Paulo. It actually wasn't. Uh, the first UFC in Sao Paulo was UFC Brazil, October of 1998. Come on, Mike. You're there. Learn the facts. Nonetheless, it goes down this Saturday live on FX. Uh, a big main event for the UFC, their first show of 2013. But the MMA weekend, if you will, kicks off two days before that when Spike TV finally rolls out the red carpet for Bellator MMA. It's Bellator's debut on Spike, much anticipated debut. We've been talking about it for over a year now, and it finally goes down this Thursday, 10 p.m. Eastern. Uh, live and free on Spike TV, Bellator's debut. And now we are honored to have the president of Spike TV on the line, Mr. Kevin Kay. Kevin, how are you? I'm good, Ariel. How are you? I'm doing great. Thank you so much for joining us. Really appreciate it. So uh, here we are Monday, uh, three or so days before the big debut. Are we ready? Are all the ducks in a row? Is everything prepared, production, all that? Do you feel like Spike TV is ready for Bellator and vice versa? Yeah, I mean, I'm excited. I think we're... uh... You know, we're in pretty good shape, and hopefully nobody gets hurt this week, and uh, everybody weighs in. And, you know, we uh, we have fantastic fights, you know. You know what the fights are, but, I mean, it's, you know, Curran and Pitbull and Chandler and Hahn, two championship fights. 
Um, you know, Babalu coming into the tournament for the first time, Seth Petrozelli. I mean, you know, we, we, got a, we got a great night of fights. We're really excited about it, and we think we're going to put on a great show. And we're, we're at the uh, Brent Center in uh, University of California in Irvine. How tough was 2012 for you that, you know, you, everything was 2013. 2013, the debut, debut, and you had that sort of transitional um, period there. Well, you know, you were still getting ratings from Unleashed and things like that and some replay, you know, highlight shows and all that. But it, when everyone's kind of looking ahead, it almost makes that one year there a lame duck year. Uh, it, was, that, was that a good thing for you guys that it gave you a year to prepare for this? Or were you kind of getting anxious towards the end there, just kind of counting down the days till the January debut? Well, we, look, we've been anxious since the day we, you know, got into business with Bellator to want to get it over to Spike, and obviously there were certain limitations, you know, and reasons why it was on MTV, too. But I'll say the biggest thing that I'm most excited about is it's finally going to be in HD on your TV, mm. you, know, um, you know, which we think is, you know, a significant improvement, unless you were watching it on Spike.com or Epix before you really weren't able to see it in, you know, in all its glory and how great it looks and sounds. And, you know, I think that's going to be great for the fans. You know, the year was the year, and I think what was great about the year, and I've, you know, I've said this before, it's a little bit like being off-Broadway. You know, you really get an opportunity, and Bjorn got an opportunity to sign some great fighters and to, you know, to really work out the, you know, some of the, the kinks in the tournament structure and settle on a place where we actually have real brackets, um, where, you know, the fights are picked before the tournament starts. Everybody knows who's going to fight everybody. Winners fight winners, and it's preordained, and that's a little different than it was done in the past. Um, so I think, you know, and from a production standpoint, you know, just, just those kinds of things that you do, you know, you, you improve the lighting, you improve the audio, you know, you build new graphics packages and got a great big, cool looking open that, you know, is going to debut on the show on Thursday night at 10, you know, so I think when we get there, we've, we've had a year, we, you know, it's, if we screw it up, it's our fault. <laughs> hmm. So now this time around, uh, for you as president of Spike TV, it's, it's a little different, right? Because Viacom, the parent company of Spike, majority owner of Bellator, as opposed to just being a broadcast partner with the UFC. What are the differences there for you as far as what the job entails? How does this one feel different? Um, well, obviously, when you you know you own something, you're a little bit more invested in in the success of it in the long run. So you know we always listen. We had a great partnership, you know, this with the UFC, and it, it had great results for both parties while it lasted. But you know we're in a long-term relationship now, and you don't ever have to worry now that it's going to you know two years are going to come up, and you're going to be renegotiating, and maybe they stay and maybe they go. It's like we know who our partners are. We're committed to them for the long term. Um, so every investment you're making is, you know, got a payoff. So, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a kind of a different, you know, excitement about the property. Um, and, you know, because we're building something. We're building a franchise for the future. And, you know, our guys who I think are, are terrific at marketing and promoting, um, you know, have been doing this for a long time in the MMA space. And they now get to bring all their really special talents to, you know, and, and we've already seen a lot of it on the air. But just, you know, just great marketing and promotion campaign is everywhere. You can just tell by the level of investment, you know, you're seeing spots in, in football games and, in, in, you know, basketball games on Christmas Day, you're seeing spots on, you know, on all our competition. Um, we're, we're excited and we're pushing hard. And I think, you know, we, because we see a long-term future with Bellator on Spike. How involved are you in the day-to-day -day operations of Bellator? Uh, listen, I, I, hold up. 
Of course. Hey, I, you know this because you used to work up here. There's always a fire drill. Right. And there's always some sound going on out in the lobby. Do you have to, do um, you have to, to evacuate? No, I don't. Okay. okay. Um, but, um, you know, I'm very involved. I talk to Bjorn, you know, practically every day, if not every day, every other day. You know, we talk about everything that we can be doing and anything that we think we can be doing better. And, you know, as, as whatever opportunities come up, whether it's about fighters or, you know, it's about improvements to production or it's about, you know, even the, even the you know, the King Mo special that we have that's coming up uh, this week right after, the, uh, right after the first fight, you know, just kind of trading notes back and forth and seeing how we can just continue to, to make it better and make it what we believe, you know, the fans want to see, you know, we're, we're, we're true partners in this. And, uh, you know, between myself and all the other folks that work here, we're, uh, we're pretty committed to making sure that this is as good as it can possibly be. What's your relationship like with Bjorn? It's good. You know, Bjorn is, you know, I, I think Bjorn knows what he doesn't know, and I know what I don't know. So that makes it a good relationship. You know, I, I will always say I'm not a fight promoter. I love mixed martial arts. I'm a huge fan of mixed martial arts. But I should never be the guy that, you know, that picks the guys that go into the cage. Um, that's not what my specialty is. I'm, I'm, you know, I run a TV network. Um, my job is, you know, to make sure that we market it and promote it right and that it gets out there on all the distribution platforms we have in the right way. Um, and, you know, Bjorn's job is, is to promote fights, um, you know, and run a business. And I think, you know, where we intersect is about the running of the business and, you know, work real hard together on the marketing and the promotion. And, and as far as, you know, the fighters, it's like, you know, I may have opinions um, and I may have a very strong opinion about, you know, who should fight where on a card in terms of the order of a card, what makes the best TV show. Um, but, you know, in terms of who fights who and, you know, that, that's left in the hands of the people that really know it. And I, and I think, you know, Bjorn has, you know, great people over there. Sam Kaplan, I think, is one of the best talent development people around. Um, and they found, they found some really talented people. Does Bjorn have more or less in common with Dana? You know, I, I don't know. That's, you know, I, I, they're completely two different people. Okay. Um, you know, I think that, you know, as fight promoters, I think they're both incredibly focused. And I'll tell you one thing that they, they, they're very much the same and that they never stop working. You know, um, you know, 18, 20 hours a day, you will always find those guys working on, you know, whatever it is they have to do to make their product special. And I think, you know, I think we, we all know Dana has a certain personality and a certain way of, you know, expressing himself, which we love about him. And Bjorn is a little bit more of, you know, I'd say the CEO type, um, you know, and that's, that's the way that he runs his business. And, you know, the both both tremendous at what they do. What's your relationship like with Dana now? I think my relationship with Dana is good. You know, we uh, you know talk every once in a while, and um, you know, obviously we have we're different. Um, you know, it's a little different because we're in the same business. Um, you know, running one promotion over here, and he's running his. But I think you know we have you know I believe a healthy respect for each other, and um, you know, and I, I don't. I don't look at, you know, the UFC and think like, oh, man, we're going to beat them. You know, it's like I believe there's plenty of room in this space for, you know, two great promotions. Um, and I think it's good and I think it, it's healthy and I think competition is healthy. And I also believe that, um, you know, we're giving fighters opportunities and we're giving, you know, we're giving managers and trainers and all the people that come along with fighters opportunities. And I think uh, I think that's a good thing for the sport. How do you react when you hear him, you know, call your network Spook TV and, 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 and criticize some of your programming and some of the things that, you know, you put on the air and whatnot. How, how do you react to that, given your relationship with him? 
You know, Dana's Dana. Like, you know, I, I actually thought the Speak TV thing was kind of funny. The first thing I did is I called up my, uh, you know, my, my digital guys and I said, do me a favor, um, buy the uh, search term Spook TV so that when anybody, uh, when anybody searches Spook TV, it gives them a, it gives them a Bellator promo, um, <laughs> you know, so, um, you know, whatever. Listen, there's always going to be times that people say stuff like that, and it doesn't matter if it's your direct competitor in a mixed martial arts business or if it's a, you know, a guy working at another network. It's like, you know, as I said, we have a healthy respect for each other, and that's really all that matters at the end of the day. I respect what they do. I respect, you know, the job that they've done over there, and uh, you know, they can say whatever they want to say. At the end of the day, we're just putting on TV shows. Right, and for the most part, I think Dana has been pretty respectful and tried not to engage too much this year, even though we. we we try to, you know, poke the bear, if you will. But um, on a conference call recently, the head of FX, Chuck Saffler, said, quote, Spike better watch their asses next year, that being this year. What was your reaction to that? Yeah, there's no reaction to that. That's just not the way that television executives should talk. You know, that's what that's fight promoter talk. It seemed like he was amped up, though. I guess. Yeah. Well, why do you think he reacted that way? Do you think it was because of some of the counter programming last year? Uh, you know, you'd have to ask him. I mean, you know, look, the counter-programming was what it was. You know, it's like it should be no surprise to anybody. You know, we've had this, talked about this before, but, the, you know, the UFC had the opportunity. They owned, they, We owned that library in the, in the negotiation to end the deal. When they moved on to Fox, we suggested to them that they should buy back that library so we wouldn't have to use it to counter-program against them. They, they decided not to do that. It was well within their rights. Um, to do that. And, you know, I don't think that anybody over there thought we weren't going to use it to, you know, counter program. I mean, that's what else would you do with a library that you paid millions of dollars for? How involved are you in the Eddie Alvarez saga? I'm not involved in the Eddie Alvarez saga at all. I mean, that's between, uh, you know, Bellator and, 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 Eddie. But Viacom owns Bellator, right? So shouldn't you, I mean, that's a, that's a big part of what you guys are trying to put on. You're not involved in it at all? No, I mean, other than, you know, when, when there's a request for how much money do we need, Bellator need, um, you know, to keep or make a decision not to keep Eddie Alvarez, that's a discussion we have. But on a day-to-day basis, that's, you know, that's Bjorn's decision to make. And, you know, if he needs additional funding, then he'll come to me and we'll have that discussion. But I think, uh, as you saw this play out, I think he was surprised at the numbers, and those were numbers that he was able to cover in his budget. And, uh, you know... And now it's in an unfortunate place. And, uh, you know, I will say that it makes me sad whenever there's a dispute between an employer and an employee. And when an employee sues an employer or an employer sues an employee, that's not good for anybody. Right. Um, so we certainly wish it hadn't gotten to this place. But, you know, Bellator has made a significant investment in Ed. Um, you know, I think about $900,000 over, you know, the course of the time that he was there. And they did that on the promise of that contract and that ability to match. They didn't spend that 900 thousand dollars to watch him walk away to another promotion without being able to exercise their right to match um it doesn't believe that that match is equivalent um bjorn believes it is and i guess the only other thing i'd say about it is i, I would give everybody the advice that i think is you know probably the most overused um phrase in mixed martial arts was never leave it in the hands of the judges <laughs> that is a very very apropos but when when bjorn decides to sue eddie and then obviously eddie also sued him as well but when that happens does he have to get clearance from you or can he do that on his own yeah, I can do that on his own. 
And, and just so we're clear, you know, I, I think there is a lot of confusion because I see it when people write on blogs that, you know, somehow they think that Bjorn sued Ed and Ed countersued Bjorn. It actually isn't the case. There were individual suits filed probably, you know, half hour within each other. So, you know, each party trying to protect their rights. One of the big sticking points seems to be the pay-per-view points, right? Because the, the money seems to be the same, but then what can come with pay-per-view? When you had that conference call to announce the, the kickoff, I remember asking the question, pay-per-view in the plans for 2013, and, and I was told no. So have, has that changed at all? Yeah, we're still looking at pay-per-view. I mean, I think there will be pay-per-view probably in 2013. Um, but, you know, I would say that the only way there's pay-per-view is if you have the right fight. Because, you know, particularly on a first pay-per-view, you want to launch with something big and you want to, you, you want to make an impact. You don't want to go out there and not sell it well. So it's going to require the right fight. Um, and, you know, when we know and feel that we have the right fight, it's, you know, it's not brain surgery to get, you know, your, your MSOs in line to, you know, everybody makes money in a pay-per-view. So it's not difficult to get one up and running. And I think what you saw, you know, over the many, many years that Spike was promoting um, UFC pay-per-views is that's when they're that's when their business peaked, right? It's like that's when their pay-per-view business peaked. I think, you know, when you have one platform, you know, one network screaming as a Barker channel loudly all the time, all day, every day, that's a very effective tool for selling pay-per-views. So, you know, we feel really confident that when we, we do get to a Bellator pay-per-view buy, we're going to employ the same tactics. We're going to scream really loud. Um, but we do need the right fight because, you know, people pay for the right fight. They want to see a great fight. And, you know, obviously we need a stacked card. So when we feel like we have a stacked card of great fights, um, it'll be go time. And that could be, you know, that could be three months from now, two months from now, or, or six months from now. When do you think the Eddie situation will be resolved? I honestly have no idea. All right. And I, I, you know what I would say? It's like if, it's, if, it's, if it ends up where it looks like it's ending up, which is in the hands of, you know, the legal system, I think it's going to take a significant amount of time, and that would be really unfortunate. Do you think there's a chance that Bellator will move away from having a show every week you know, during that season? Because my concern is you don't have enough time to tell stories week to week because you're, you're focusing on that event, and you only have six or so days to now retell a whole new card. Do you think that there should be some, some breathing room there? No, I mean, I, li- I like the tournament structure. I mean, I've, you know, now followed it pretty closely through a couple of seasons on MTV, too. And, um, and I like it. And I think we've, we've, you know, found ways to structure the tournament so that we hope to carry the viewer through from week to week. Um, and I also believe that, you know, there, the storytelling about fighters, I just finished watching the packages um, for this week's fight, are terrific. I mean, they, you really get a good sense of who these guys are. So, look, if Babalu wins in the first week, you're already attached to him. And, you know, four weeks later, he's going to be back, hopefully barring injury. Um, and you're going you're gonna to want to see him fight again. And I think, you know, it's... It, it, that's what the tournament structure brings you. It brings you fighters that you, you know, hopefully, you know, grow to love from first week to fourth week to, you know, to ninth week to finals um, and that you want to follow. And I think, you know, in success, um, you know, we'll, we'll, we, the fans will want to be there um, to see the guys that they picked fight. I've said another- very much like an NCAA bracket, right. you know, it's, I've said in other uh, interviews that I think come March 1st, we'll know what kind of appetite there is for Bellator on Spike because you'll you'll have so many shows by then. All your top stars will have fought by then. 
and that's in less than two months. Do you view it the same way? Like, do you think we're about to know pretty quickly as far as ratings are concerned, you know, how big the appetite is for this new brand on your network? I don't know. If, I don't know if we'll know in two months. I mean, I think, you know, it, I, I'm not a big fan of getting ahead of ratings in that way, because, you know, I think ratings looked at over time make a lot more sense. I think when you start predicting ratings, you know, and saying this show's going to do so many viewers, and you're never going to be right, by the way. It's like I've been doing this a long time. You're, you're, you're inevitably wrong. I think for me, the way to look at this is I hope we have a good launch and we've put a lot behind it and we've put a lot behind these first few shows, and I believe we'll do okay. But the real key and the real goal is to see what happens 12 weeks from now. You know, if we've grown ratings, by the time we get to the finals of these tournaments, then that's going to be a good thing. And then we go into a summer series, and then we go into a fall series. And if you see consistent ratings growth over a period of time, then I think we're, you know, we're on the right track. I mean, that's what we're looking for is growth. And you know, I'm not looking for growth over a month or two months. I'm looking for growth over a year. So if I ask you to predict the ratings for a Thursday, you're probably not going to get no chance. <laughs> <laughs> just a couple more questions. You know, there's some pretty big free agents not named Eddie Alvarez that are that are coming up, you know, a guy like Josh Barnett, Rampage Jackson, potentially. Are you going to try to sign some of these big, more established names to give the brand more credibility? I think we're always going to look at guys like that. I mean, I think... You know, I, I, I have two opinions about that. One is, you know, there's there's probably only a handful of those fighters that you want to look at, right? If they're big personalities and they have a great track record and they've got enough gas left in the tank. Um, you know, my general feeling about fighters that get released from other organizations is there's reasons why they get released from other organizations. And it's usually because they either, you know, aren't making money for that organization, they're not a fan favorite, or they're just, you know, at the tail end of their career. So, you know, I don't think we're going to make a lot of those acquisitions. I think Bjorn is really smart, and he's, he he thinks about that a lot, and he's got a philosophy of building from the ground up, which is where you see like the Chandlers and the Currens come from. Um, so I don't think there's a ton of those, but I would say, you know, you mentioned two guys that are, you know, look, I've always loved Rampage. He's fantastic. He's under contract to the UFC right now, but, you know, if he became available and he still wants to fight... Sure, we'd have a, you know take a look and have a discussion about that, and um, you know so I, as I said, I don't think there's going to be a ton of them, and I don't think that the I don't think that the organization and the success of the organization relies on signing guys like that. I believe that it's a ground up, find the talent, build them up, put them in tournaments, make them stars, use all the powers we have at Viacom. You know, it's like you know Curran was out at the at the. Uh, Nets game the other night, you know, mm -hmm. like giving away the game ball. I think Lyman Good's going to be out there. You know, it's like we bring them to our award shows. They walk the red carpet there with other celebrities. There's, you know, international press there. You know, it's like make stars out of the great talent that you have and build them up that way, I think, is really the long-term strategy. Picking off a guy here and there maybe, you know, might be good and may help you temporarily, but what you want to do is build loyal fighters that love the organization and, um, you know, and want to stick around and and be champions. Final thing, uh, you, you mentioned the packages and whatnot, but as far as the actual look, the cage, the lighting, all that, will that be different or will it look like your, your old Bellator events? Well, it, like I said, it's it's going to be in HD, so for right. most of the audience, it's going to look really different. Um, yeah, and there is a new cage. I mean, I don't know how significant you know the viewer will will see the difference in the cage. Yeah, but the cage does look great. Um, the lighting has been improved significantly. There are new video packages and graphics. There's a whole new open to the show. 
Um, you know, I think they, they guys have done an amazing job with audio. You can hear the crispness of the of of the punching. Like you can hear referee instructions. You can hear corner instructions really well. Um, they've done some really special things there. So I feel like the production's in a really good place. And I think, you know, I think Sean and Jimmy are terrific. Jimmy Smith continues, in my opinion, to be one of the most knowledgeable, you know, color commentators in all of MMA and, you know, just love listening to him. He's always, he's always telling you what's going to happen one second before mm-hmm. it happens. And it's, and it's only three televised fights, right? Because there's two title fights? No, there's four, there's four televised fights. There's, oh. the, the Petrozelli fight is also on the card. Okay, and it is headlined, yep. of course, Michael Chandler versus Rick Hahn. Lightweight title it kicks off. Uh, Pat Kern versus Patricio Pitbull Ferrer. It's a great card, and it kicks off January 17th. That's this Thursday from the Brent Center in Irvine, California. He is Kevin Kay, the president of Spike TV. Great to have you on the show for the first time, Kevin, and good luck on Thursday night. Thanks, Ariel. I really appreciate the time. All right, there he is, Kevin Kay stopping by. Uh, great to have him on the show and uh, looking forward to Bellator's debut this Thursday on Spike TV, 10 p.m. Eastern, 10 p.m. Pacific on the West Coast. So you'll have to wait uh, a couple extra hours, three extra hours to see it, but uh, it comes on after Impact Wrestling this Thursday night. All right, let's transition now and welcome in the XFC lightweight champion, a man that appeared on Spike TV a bunch of times last year on MMA Uncensored Live. He is Nick Newell, and he joins us right now. Nick, how are you? Good, good. Great to be on the show. Great to have you on the show, Nick. So uh, you are 9-0. You you picked up the the lightweight title for XFC late last year. And it's interesting that we had uh, Kevin Kay on the show, the, the president of Spike TV, obviously very involved with Bellator. I think you are the perfect uh, match for someone like Bellator if they wanted to go after you and if you wanted to fight for them. And I'm wondering, you know, how, how has your life changed since becoming the, ty- uh, the champion? Have you received offers from other organizations? Are you, uh, you know, more sought after now that you are a champ? Uh, you know, it, it, is, uh, it, is, it has been different. Before I was I was a guy, you know, and I everyone knew me as a fighter. Before this year, I really established myself and showed myself as being a really well-rounded, uh, elite level fighter that can hang with anyone. And I, you know, I just beat one of the best guys out there that's not signed by uh, Bellator or UFC. And you know, I really I really showed my my worth this year. And uh, I usually let my my management handle offers and stuff like that um for me but uh it's good to really show that i'm you know a high level competitor in this sport and uh definitely the buzz has increased around me since i did that what kind of contract do you have with xfc uh right now uh there's one more fight left in, on my contract with the xfc and uh you know they've been they've been uh really good to me and i I'm, I'm very happy with them right now so it's not we have a very good relationship and my goal is to to fight um the best fighters in the world and get the exposure you know so we'll see where it goes from that obviously you know um whenever someone talks about your story they obviously talk about your arm and and and, and the odds that you have to fight to get to where you are do you think that now and you feel that now that you are the champion are those questions, are those um, concerns, are those kind of interviews, are, are they coming up less, or do you think that's always going to be a part of your story? I mean, people will always look at me as being the guy with one hand. I mean, I go to eat a sandwich, you know, like that guy's eating a sandwich got, has one hand, you know, and uh, I feel like people are starting to look at me 
more as a um, as a talented fighter. You know, I'm not just a, a guy who fights with one hand. And I'm a, a very talented fighter that happens to have one hand. And, uh, you know, as much as I would like to just be known and looked at for my fighting skill, you know, I have... Um, it will always just be an issue, even like with a whole Dana White interview and all that stuff. So, you know, it's, it's always gonna gonna be something that gets brought up, even even no matter how much I accomplish in this sport. You know, I uh, it's always gonna be something that's brought up. So I've kind of come to terms with that. It's funny that you mentioned that. That's a great segue because I was the one that asked Dana the question at the uh, UFC 155 pre-fight press conference. I want to play the clip, and then I want to get your response. I want to talk about it a little bit. Um, You mentioned it. It was Dana White. I asked him about you, and I asked him about if there was a chance that he could come or you could come to the UFC. Would he be interested in signing you? This is what Dana White had to say a couple of weeks ago in Las Vegas. Yeah, 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 yeah. Would you ever think he's undefeated? No. He's being top, you know, not top guys, but he's a, Yeah, no. it's hard to fight here with two arms. You know what I mean? This he is the... shown that he can compete. Yeah. Here? Well, no, obviously not. He doesn't fight, but ultimate fighter, would you ever look at him? Or... Maybe. Maybe. I don't know. You know? I don't know. Where has he fought? Has he ever fought in Nevada or any of the big states? Where's that? Boston. Yeah. It's on Access TV. He is their champion. So, you know, he beat a guy recently yeah. He beat some former UFC fighters. Let me tell you what. There's who, who did he beat? Who who was there? He beat at least one former UFC fighter. I'm not sure if it was former. I'm not sure. Journeyman. Yeah. Ten and zero. Uh, beat a guy who fought Eddie Alvarez. Kind yeah. Of yeah, that's he tough, man. This isn't. I mean, there's guys that are out there that we bring in that are that are considered top guys into the Ultimate Fighter that don't really ever pan out and make it. But if he tried out, would you even let him try out? I don't know. Would the state of Nevada let him fight? Would the state of California let him fight? You know, would some of these bigger athletic commissions let him fight? You know, maybe he can get away with that in some of these other states, but not. Nick Limbo lets him fight for what it's worth. Yeah? Yeah, he's well, a There you go. That's a real one. So. Florida. Okay. I don't know. Okay. I have no idea. But fighting with one arm is just craziness to me. Yeah. He dismissed the idea. Did that bug you? Uh, yeah, a little bit, um, especially because I've already been licensed in Nevada, so that's not really an issue um, at all. And it kind of it kind of disappoints me that you know someone that's such a powerful figure in this sport uh, feels that way or or looks at me that way. I mean, he did say never say never, but you know I feel like anyone else with my track record, you know, nine and zero with eight first round stoppages. Uh, I finish fights, I'm exciting, and the people want to see me fight in the UFC. And, you know, right now, that's the pinnacle of the sport, and that's where you can test yourself with the best guys in the world. So I want to see where I stand amongst uh, the world's elite fighters. And I feel like I've earned the, cha- the cha- I've earned my shot. And, uh, you know, any- anyone else with my track record would be getting looked at, but it's due to outside circumstances. And he wants to talk about how he wants um you know uh people that are give equal equal opportunity to women and gay fighters and stuff like that well you know i'd like my equal opportunity as well so is, is that deflating for you i mean to have someone of his stature say something like that internally how do you react you know i don't i don't get discouraged about 
too much about things like that. It's like disappointing because, you know, it's basically saying that I'm gonna. They're probably just waiting for me to lose or like do something, you know. But I, I'm not going anywhere in this sport. You know, I'm I'm good, and and a lot of those guys that are in the UFC just because they're in the UFC doesn't mean that they can they can beat me. You know, I think I match up really well with a lot of people in there, and I would have no hesitation fighting them. And then the thing comes up, who have I fought? Well, you haven't beat anyone in the UFC. Well, how am I supposed to beat people in the UFC <laughs> if I don't fight in the UFC, you know? Right. Uh, I've, it's, it's, it's just like a weird, weird subject, you know? I mean, other sports give a, give a shot. The MLB gave a shot to uh, Jim Abbott. You know, he did great. You know, even that chick on The Bachelor, they're giving her a shot. <laughs> I I didn't know there there was a chick on The Bachelor like that. Yeah, she's got one. She's got one one uh, one arm or one hand, just like me. Um, did you ever or have you ever considered trying out for the Ultimate Fighter? Uh, well, I uh, I did. So you did consider it, or you did try out? No, I did. You tried out. Yeah. When? Um. The the one forty five pound season. And what and happened? I made it through, but they didn't. They didn't use me at the time. I was only four and zero, and I hadn't really beaten anyone. Anyone that was super worthwhile. But you know, since then, I've, I've, uh, I've improved, and you know, I'm, I'm ready to take on anyone. So you made it through. You you actually made it onto the show. No, I didn't make it onto. The Obviously show. not. But you made it. Like you you made it through the whole casting process. <laughs> yep. Why do you laugh? Uh, I don't know if I'm supposed to be telling that stuff, but I really don't care at this point because I made it all the way through, and I I tapped a guy out of the tryouts with Umplata. Wow. Uh, I did the striking. I did good in the interview, and then they just decided not to use me. So. What was the reason that they gave you? Uh, not enough experience. But there have been guys on the show with less experience, right? Yeah, but at the end of the day, it's their show, and they can you know they can do whatever they want, but. When you tap the guy out uh, via Omoplata and like at the tryouts, who was there? As far as the UFC is concerned, Joe who Silva. There? Joe Silva. Yep. Sean Shelby. I I think so. Possibly, I think it was. It might have been. Yeah, it was during the WEC. So yeah. Uh, Dana White. Absolutely. So he was. So he knows who you are. Yeah. Did you speak to him there? Uh no. I just kind of shook his hand. I was kind of nervous to tell you the truth. Right. And during the... I mean, I was like 4-0. I was just happy that I did such a good job. And I had like a little bit of adrenaline dump afterwards. And I like, I was like, oh, man, I just did great, you know. Uh, during the, the interview process, is he a part of that? No, not at all. He has nothing. He wasn't there at all or anything. So why do you think that they really said no to you because of your experience or because of your, your, uh, your, your, your hand situation? I don't know, man. See, it's, the thing is when you... When you, when you look at it um, with me, they're like, well, what if, he, what if he gets knocked out or something like that? Well, guess what? People get knocked out all the time in, in this sport. You know, it, it's a part of the sport, and I've, I've proven my worth in, in this sport. I'm far from invincible, but I think I've proven that I'm more than, than capable. And it's always going to be a point like, well, what if this? It's like, at what point are we just going to look past it and just give me a chance? Right. Do you think that they will be inclined to give you like let's say you win your next eleven in a row, you become twenty no. Is that the is that the, the, the game plan force their hand essentially? 
Yeah, I, I mean, I don't know. You know, um, I, I'm not them, so I can't. I can't comment on that. Uh, you know what I what I do know is, you know, look at the XFC. They're the the reason why they're doing good and they're coming up is because they they took a chance on me. They looked past that and and they saw me as a fighter. And you know, we wouldn't I wouldn't be having this conversation right now if if they never gave me the chance to do that. It's all about just looking at someone as the fighter, you know, and uh, in, instead of outside things. If I can, it doesn't matter if if I have one hand, as long as I can beat everyone. You know, there's I've seen guys fight. I've seen guys win the the Ultimate Fighter, and they're, they, you know, they they're limited. They can't punch good, or they don't have like a good a good ground game, you know, like a lot of guys can't kick. Like I can do, I can do everything. The only thing I don't have is a left cross. Hmm. <laughs> when you put it that way, that is a, that is a very good point. You mentioned that you have been licensed. No, I can't use my hand. Well, there's tons of people you look at that can't even use their feet. Right. Yes. Because they have bad foot movement, right? Yeah. Cause they're not good. <laughs> Some of them can't move their head. It's like they're headless. Yeah, sure. <laughs> Why you gave those guys a shot? <laughs> you said you you've been licensed by Nevada. You never fought in Nevada though as a pro. When did you get licensed? Was it because of the Ultimate Fighter? Yeah, when I when I uh, when it was potential that I could have possibly been on that, I um, I I went and I got I got licensed. They said yeah, they said that's okay. That's not a problem. Wow. Well, that's huge. That's that's very interesting. Now you, as I mentioned, you uh, were featured on MMA Uncensored Live a bunch of times last year, which is on Spike TV. And to me, it felt like you're going to end up in Bellator. They're they're putting you on the show so many times. They're looking for any kind of edge over the UFC. Any feelers from Bellator? Uh, not not that I know of. Um, at the moment, nothing. Uh, nothing. Uh, from them currently, no. Um, you seem to be know, pausing. I, I really, I don't handle that stuff. So okay. unless they came out in public and said that they would want me, I wouldn't. I wouldn't have any idea about that. Well, I'm sure your manager would tell you if they called. Uh, yeah. I mean, I, I, I unless he's a bad manager, which I'm not saying. Is he a good manager? Your manager? Uh, yeah, I got a good one. <laughs> okay, good one. that's good to know. Um. Do you want to fight for Bellator, or is it UFC or bust for you? No, it doesn't. It doesn't matter. It's a a, a a great organization. You know, there's a, there's a lot of good organizations out there. Bellator is a great one, and they got the a great thing going on with Spike TV and right there. And you know, look at look at how nasty Eddie Alvarez is, and then you got guys like Michael Chandler. And uh, I'm from the same area as Rick Hahn. That guy's amazing. You know, they they got a good thing going on, and and you know, right now they're solid number two and. It's a it's a great organization. I mean, who who wouldn't you know? Would you be okay end of your career? Let's say it comes in twenty years. If you have an amazing career, if you if you end your career with one of the best records, but you never fight in the UFC for these same reasons that we've been talking about, would you be okay with that? Or will there always be something in the back of your mind that kind of bugs you and makes you wish that you got at least one chance? Uh you know, I, I kind of just live day by day, so I wouldn't, I wouldn't, um, I wouldn't be able to answer answer that question unless it really happened. You know, um, right right now, everyone says, "Oh, you're an MMA fighter." They're like, "You fight in in the UFC." You know, that's like the first thing they ask. So yeah, that's like kind of 
important. But you know, you have to you have to see what what um, what goes on right now um, with all these organizations coming up. You don't know how how well Bellator is going to do on Spike TV, so they might slide even closer. And then you know uh, what's going to go next on Showtime. I know XFC's in negotiations to go to Showtime and. It, there's so many outside factors right now, you know, that that play into that. So we we have to see. Just to be clear, you said there are negotiations. Do you mean like they're talking to them, or is it serious negotiations? Yeah, from from uh, from what I hear, yeah. Um, really? Trying to get in on uh, uh, where Strikeforce left off. So well, that's pretty interesting. That would that would be great, you know. Are you? Would you be content staying with XFC? XFC is is, is great. Um, you know they they've done such a wonderful job and they're they're doing uh, great things and I love I really do I I love fighting for them, um, but but from a standpoint right now is that you know the the pinnacle right now is is the NFL which is like the you know like the UFC is the NFL and and stuff like that so a lot of money to be made there and a lot to to prove out there more more importantly. Mm-hmm. All right. Yeah, that, that is that is obviously very true right now as far as MMA is concerned. And uh, are you going to try to try out for the Ultimate Fighter? Like, or, or are you done with that? No, absolutely. <laughs> I'm not going anywhere. All right. Man. Well, maybe um, maybe you wanted to go a different um, route since it didn't work the first time, or you know, maybe you don't believe what they were telling you, so you'd stop trying out. I don't know. Yeah, I'm not. I'm listen. I'm not going anywhere, and. Uh, and I'm just going to keep on beating people and, and keep winning, and, and that's what I've been doing, and I think I've been doing a great job at it. So, you know, no, I can't. I can't. <laughs> you can only say no for so long, and then you know, maybe want to. I'll, I'll find my way somewhere, um, okay. and I'll be beaten. You know, I'll be in there competing, and and I can beat a lot of the the, the best guys out there right now. I know that I could. I just need the opportunity. At the beginning of your career, it seemed like a lot of people didn't want to fight you. You were having trouble finding opponents. People were backing out. Is that still the case now? Uh, no, no. Um, you know, everyone, the guys at the XFC worked really hard to find me opponents. And I think with the exposure that I've gotten recently and, and uh, you know, uh, how, uh, how popular I've become, especially over the past year, I have people calling me out on Twitter all the time, and you know the ability for them to fly me out and or fly and fly opponents out really changes things up a lot. And instead of me going against guys that are just like, oh, I'm just going to do this for fun, so I want people to think I'm tough because I'm a fighter. I'm going against real fighters and real tough people that aren't that that just want to fight. They don't care if I have one hand or not. They they have something to prove, you know, and uh, and they want to get through me to prove it. Mm-hmm. Do you have any idea who your next fight is going to be against? Uh, no, I don't. I don't know. I know they have. Uh, they have some stuff. They're working out some a potential competitor. You know, uh, right now I I just like to fight the toughest guys, man. I want to. I want to fight veterans that have established themselves. And you know, I'd I'd love to fight someone that's been up there. And then the whole question of oh, who'd you beat? It's like, well, I beat this dude. You know, so. That's 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 a reason why I would I would like to fight veterans and 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 really tough guys and and names very popular names. Any idea when the fight's going to happen? Your your last fight on your contract? 
probably April. All right. Well, we look out for that, and maybe you can force uh, the UFC to make a decision with that performance. Maybe you can keep breathing down their necks. Maybe this interview will help you out. Uh, very interesting stuff uh, from you here today, Nick. We, we appreciate the time. Wish you the best of luck on your next fight. Congratulations on all your success and be, you know, being such an inspiration for so many people and for kicking so many people's asses and, 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 and proving, hey, proving the know? doubters wrong. It's amazing to watch. Really one of the true great stories of 2012. Yeah, and it's going to even be a better story in 2013. Can't wait to see it unfold. Great to have you on the show for the first time, Nick. Best of luck to you, and we'll talk to you very soon. Yeah, next time I'll just come to the studio if you guys are in New York. Oh, absolutely. I'm a Connecticut guy, so. That's true. It's a date. Next time you're on the show (laughs) in studio, we'd love to have you. Okay. All right, there he is. Nick Newell joins us on the phone right now from Connecticut. A great guy, a great story. Looking forward to his next fight in April. All right, let's move along now. Welcome in uh, our last guest of the day. Uh, he is the former Bellator middleweight champion. Now, member of the UFC, picked up a big win uh, over Husimar Palharis last month in Australia. He faces Yushin Okami in March, UFC on Fuel TV 8. He is Hector Lombard. Hector, how are you? Hey, how you going? I'm doing great, and it's great to have you on the show, Hector. So good to, to to finally speak to you again. Are we cool? Are we friends again? Hey, I guess. <laughs> it doesn't sound very – you know, I played the clip of you on uh, Alex Dono's show over the summer. You were very mad at me. You you said a lot of – you said a lot of mean things about me. You called me a troublemaker. You were you were very upset. Why why were you so upset with me, Hector? Well, I, I should spoke, I speak the truth. Yeah. Nothing, nothing more than the truth. And, uh, you know, you, you, you've been causing troubles over me. You know, um, you know, you call this, uh, um, Michael Bisping <clears throat> and Michael Bisping and, and, uh, Bob Munoz and all that drama, you cause it. So, um, of course I have to be mad at you. Do you think I'm causing drama or do you think I'm just doing my job and asking questions? Because it was, on my you know, end, you were a new guy coming in. They've been in the UFC a long time. So I wanted to know, what do you think about this new guy coming in and maybe getting a title shot well, before you? Isn't that my well, job? It, was, it, was, it wasn't my decision you know, to jump in and, and, and of try course. to get a title shot. I never said it was your decision. It was, it was the UFC's decision. You know, um, so it's sort of like... You know, it was an awkward situation. You know, to be honest, yeah. Sure. Um, you, you go ahead and you you ask, you asking those you you putting you putting you know you know in the rush those guys. So because they have to you know talk and they don't have they don't have a uh, brain. So <laughs> you know, you basically you basically you know you put it on on them and, and they, they they should stop. And you also said that you thought I'm trying to be more famous than the fighters and all this stuff with Twitter followers and all that. It just seemed like you really don't like me. And I'm wondering, do you, do you like me a little more now? Like, do you, you know, do you, do you see uh, where I'm... I mean, I never, I, never said, I never said I didn't like you. You know, I mean, I never said I didn't like you. I never said, you know, it's tough about your, your personality. Oh. What, I, what, I say, what I say was like you're causing troubles and you, you, tried to, you tried to, you know, make all these tickets to, to, talk, to talk bad about me. And uh, you know, and, and and they they get influential by you, and and they should speak. Um, I mean, at the end of the day, at the end of the day, to be honest, yeah, you know, I, I'm 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 a guy, you know, I'm that, you know, I don't. It's not hard feelings, to be honest. That's good. I mean, you you, you did you did what you, what you have to do for yourself, 
and um, of course you have to, you know, you know, you, you, you know, you have to run your show and stuff like that, and uh, and and that that's part of your job, you know. But you know, Hector. I mean, I've interviewed you before you came to the UFC. You were just new in Bellator. I went to your gym, ATT. You were very nice to me. I interviewed you in Florida. Did you really think I was trying to put you down? Like, did you think? Because I've spoken very highly of you. I mean, why do you think that I was trying to, you know, get people to speak badly about you? I, I didn't. I didn't have it out for you. I, I was just trying to ask questions to people and get their responses. If anything, you should be mad at them, not me. Let me let me put you a sample. Huh? Let, let me go. Let me go and, and, and put you a sample. If you go, ahead, if I go ahead now and 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 I, and, and I do an interview with with couple bunch of uh, um, MMA MMA sites like people they running MMA shows sure. like like each other, right? and I ask, oh, what do you think about what do you think about Ariel Elwani? Uh, do you think that he he really like to? Uh, uh, I put uh, pull the fighters in, in competitions and stuff like that. They're going to say, yes, he does, right? <laughs> I don't know about that. You know? So, you, you, well, you know, so, it's part, it, it, you know, like, you, you, you're pushing it. You're pushing it to, to you know, to, to then to, to, to talk bad about me. But, I mean, at the end of the day, I don't, I don't really care about that. Like I said before, um, I, I move on. You know, um, I got no hard feelings you know, towards you. Otherwise, I, I wouldn't do the, this interview. Right, right. And, um, you know, I, I just have to move on, man. I'm, I have to worry about my career. And But and, I, um, I think this is a very good conversation to have, and I'm so happy that you did come on the show, unlike some other fighters. And I look at you, Tito Ortiz, I say, come on the show, tell me why you don't like me, and I want to be a better person. I want to be a better journalist. So I appreciate this this uh, this criticism very much. I do not uh, agree with you, obviously. I, I disagree with... Well, it's a, big, it's a big difference between me and Tito Ortiz. You can't even, you know... You know, don't compare me with Tito Ortiz. I don't no, want to compare I'm, you. I'm a, <laughs> There's no way. I'm, well, not... I'm, a, I'm, a I'm, I'm a totally different character than Tito Ortiz. So. I agree with that 100%. I mean, just look at the fact that you're on the show right now. So, so I appreciate that very much. But I guess what, what I want to say to you is, you know, fighters complain often that interviews are boring, that they're redundant, right? And I'm not saying I'm, I'm no interview whiz or anything, but what do you want me to ask about? This is the fight business. This guy versus this guy. This guy's gonna fight this guy. If he wins, he's gonna fight this guy. Well, what do you want me to ask well, you about your I, lunch? You know, little bit, little bit after you know, whoop this guy as us. You know, um, um, over there in Japan. Um, you know, I, I, you know, I just want you to go ahead and, and, and try to see if you can make the fight happen between me and Bisping. How about that? You want me to try? You want me to help you out now? Yeah, I want you to help me out with that. <laughs> it would be an honor. You know, I had Bisping on my show earlier, and I specifically refrained from asking him any questions about you because I didn't want to upset you because I knew you would say, oh, you're asking other people about me. But now you're saying you want me to ask other people about you. Right. Yeah, yeah, that, yeah that's what I want. Okay. Well, I'm, I'm happy to help you out. I mean, you and Michael don't really seem to get along, though, right? Uh, he called you. Didn't he call you a oh. midget? I don't, I don't, I don't really care. You know, you know, he can call me a midget. You know, I saw this pushback at the elevator. You know, and I squeezed his hand. Of course, got the, the the smallest, the smallest hands I ever seen in my life. <laughs> and I squeezed it. And uh, you know, I, I'm sure he was in pain. And a little bit after that, you, you know, he just start talking about it. You know how, how sure I am and stuff like that. But one thing, one thing that you can be, one thing that you can be. 100% sure about it is that it's got the smallest hands ever. 
Really? Yeah. Like a little girl, like a little girl's arms or something like that. So I squeeze it. And um, I think that that's one of the reasons why he's upset at me. Oh, so this happened before he said those things about you. Then he said it. Yeah, that, that happened in Canada. Okay, okay, okay. Because I know, I remember the Friday, the weigh-ins, right? The weigh-ins, the day before your fight, that's when he started to go off on you, right? Yeah, because that's crazy thing. <laughs> wow. So are you hoping for him to lose to Vitor? Because they said already if he wins, he's going to get a title shot. Well, I mean, anyway, I got to fight him anyway. Right. Just put it that way. Just put it that way. Do you think he, a lot of people think he has a weak chin? Do you think you would knock him out? Uh, yeah, 100%. Um, uh, Matt Pickling, Matt Pickling uh, the guy from Australia, he's like a 155, 155 uh, partner. And, and uh, he's actually smaller than me. And he's actually shorter than me. He actually KO'd him in thing. He KO'd Bisping? Yeah. Where? He dropped in Australia. What do you mean, Jorge Rivera? No, Jorge Rivera. Matt Pigling. Matt Pigling? Yeah, you didn't even, you, you didn't even, you didn't even heard about this guy before, because, you know, he's a, he's a small fighter. He, I, I think he had, like, uh, probably seven fights all over. Okay. Between. But he actually dropping in, in, in fan practice. And, um, oh, okay. Were you there? No, I have, I have a friend of mine who has a video on it. He has a video. Wow. Yeah. Are they going to post it? Uh, if you ask him to, but I don't, <laughs> I don't really want to fuck into you know, any bullshit because you know, that, that's not my drama. Right, right, right. I just want to you know, we'll go from there. Now, I got to ask you, you looked fantastic last month in uh, Australia. Everyone was saying, oh, this is the Hector we were waiting for in the UFC. Um did it feel, I mean, like, I know you said you were injured against Tim Boach. Did you feel like the old Hector, or maybe a better Hector, when you beat up Pusimar Palhares? Well, of course I was. Yeah. Well, you I, looked great. I, I, was, I, was, I was normal in, the, in that fight. You weren't, you weren't injured. The first time you were injured, second time you were healthy. Yeah. What was your reaction when you found out Pusimar Palhares tested positive for a banned substance? I feel bad for him, to be honest. Um, you know, um, why do you feel bad for him? Um, I have to feel bad for him because, um, he, need, he needs to, um, he needs to use all that stuff to, um, in, you know, in order, uh, in order to, you know, to, to, to try to fight or in order to try to win. I don't. Did you think he was cheating while you were fighting him? Of course he was cheating. Why, of course? Wait, you know, just uh, look the records. Look, look what happened to him. <laughs> right. Oh, so do you think if he wasn't cheating, he would have fought better? Wait, if he wasn't cheating, he would have fought even worse. <laughs> right, exactly. Well, probably. Um, so when you found out that he tested positive, were you surprised? He said disgrace for the UFC. Yeah. Having a guy like that. I don't got to bash the guy now because he's on the floor. But it's a disgrace for the UFC to have a guy like that. You think they should cut him? Nah, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't got to make opinions. You know, I know uh, my, my, my job in the UFC is fighting. I'm, my job is in the UFC is not like 
try to be on opinion, you know, try to be opinions to the UFC who who should stay, who should not stay. I mean, uh, obviously, you know, the UFC has been is being um, fighting for years to try to get rid of all these guys, you know. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, um, they're, the, they're the ones that they're, they're probably really upset at him, you know, on me. Are you happier I'm, in the UFC than you were in Bellator? Of course I am. Why? I always wanted to find the UFC. Right. No, this is not a secret. Right. Uh, you know, I can't be, I can't be, you know, you have to be smarter, you know, you have to be smart and, and, and play the game and, and go from there. I always wanted to fight for the UFC. How do you feel about uh, everyone knowing your contract details? Now with the Eddie Alvarez situation, it's all out there. Do you like that? Um, can you specify more, like, what were contract, contract details? What do you mean about that? Well, it seemed like it came out, like, you know, Eddie was on our show last week, and he said, you know, uh, that he he thought he was going to make, or at least get offered uh, as much as you did from the UFC, and, uh, you know, then Bellator CEO Bjorn Rebney came out and... No, 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 no. Let me say one thing. Okay. Oh. And this goes to Eddie Albers, right? Yeah. Uh, he asked me over the phone, like, how much money I was getting paid and stuff like that. Obviously, you know, I, I know that much. You know, obviously, I can't, you know, be so so stupid and tell him, you know, how much money I got offered and stuff like that. Right. And and he's being, he's being you know, try to, uh, uh, try to, try to know for, for all the sources. How much money are getting paid for the, you know from the UFC and stuff like that? He's too worried about all the people this guy. To be honest, you know he he, he needs to stop doing that and worry about himself. Hmm. You know, I, got, I left the I left the belt at all with the belt. Let's face it, he didn't. I left I left the belt at all being the champion. He didn't. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know UFC obviously UFC wants the best and. The UFC won't won't pay won't pay won't pay sort of amount of money for the guy who who's not a champion. He's not a champion in the Bellator. Shell is a champion in the Bellator. Right. And, and, and if I was if I would be him, if I was seen, you know, me, particular me, particular myself, right? I would be, I would I would say, you know what? Bellator is offering me a lot of money. Bellator is offering me $40 million just to resign with him. It's going to be for a year. I'm not even 30 years old. Um, and, uh, you know, I should have considered, like, the Bellator offered me a quarter million dollars. They pay me a lot of money for a fight. And I get I get to rematch. I can get I can get the chance to rematch a guy who really whoop my ass. And, and, and next year, I can, you know, ask to, you know, to, you know, negotiate the contract for more money. But it's so worried about all the people. It's so worried about, you know, all the all the guys up there. It's so worried about all the things that, you know, it's just, it's just, it's just screwing them. You know what I mean? Right. And uh, 
Uh, he, he need he need to you know stop worrying about other people. He worry about himself. He, he, he could he could make a lot of money, but he could get through a match with Chandler. He might would beat him, and he would got he would got a lot of money from all the organizations. But you know I can't I can't just you know that's that's not my business. You know that's his business. But he, he, honestly, he needs to stop worrying about all the guys and worry about himself. That's my opinion. Very well said. Now you're fighting Yushin Okami in March in Japan, and Yushin is the kind of guy you know. He picked up a win over Alan Belcher. Uh, just a, a tough style to deal with. A lot of people don't think it's very exciting, grinding style. You know, he hasn't been in any kind of fight of the year candidates ever. But what do you think about fighting him? I want to fight the best, and um, you know, I, 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 I want to fight the winner between. Um, Alan Bersha and Yushin Okami. It was it was already even said before the fight. Oh really? And he won he won the fight. I want to fight him. If Alan Bersha would have won the fight, I would have fight Alan Bersha. Okay. You know, I want I want to fight the best. That's why I want to be in the UFC. I don't want to fight you know. Um. Uh, small name, small name fighters. Are you afraid though that he's going to try to you know? No, I'm not afraid of anything. But the fight won't be that exciting, you know, because it seems like unless he's fighting Anderson, as of late, the fights aren't look, all that exciting. Look, look, you know, my first fight, my first fight was boring, and uh, I'm not gonna make excuses. But Tim Bush was running all the, all all the way. He was running, you know. He brings his bicycle to the to, to the hexagon, you know, and um, he he stopped pedaling, running all the way. And let me ask you a question. And honest, honest truth. Who do you think who won that fight? I I thought you won the fight. You know, I actually said it. Even though you were mean to me that week, I thought you won the fight. Oh, thank you for, for being honest. Yeah. Thank you for being honest. And and yeah. I, that's that's the truth. I, I tweeted it. If anyone remembers, I said it and I said it on this show. I'm not just saying it because you're here. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's, that's one of the things that I like about you, that you, you're honest. Oh, no. <laughs> now you like me. You said it. You finally said it. Yeah, at least you're honest. Okay. That's it. You know, that, that's you know, that's that's bottom line. Like, I like, I like, I like it. I could, see, I see a, a relationship building between both of us here. I mean, like I said before, man, I have no hard feelings for you. Uh, I just like. You really yeah, hurt my feelings, though, you know? You hurt my feelings when I heard that interview. You went on and on how I was such a bad person. Jeez, it really made me sad. Nah, man, no, 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 you got it wrong, you got it wrong. Really? You got it wrong. You got it wrong there, because, you know, like I say, I, I didn't I didn't say, I never see a mean thing about you, or I never, I never say a mean thing about anybody, you know? I just, I feel that you you should try to pull me down, with, you know, with the comments that you you make, you know, and, and the, the questions that you, you were asking to all the fighters. But let me let me ask you this, and you now give me an honest answer. When you say to someone that you know he cares about his Twitter followers and you don't care about the fighters, for a guy who lives and breathes the sport, who travels all over the place, leaves his family, I mean, for a fighter to say that about you, a great fighter like yourself, that makes you feel like crap, right? That makes you feel like this guy thinks you're not a genuine person trying to do his job. This is a guy who thinks that you're just trying to be famous and capitalize on the fighters who are the true stars. You know, can you understand why I felt it was insulting? 
mean, but like, like I said, like I said before, like I said before, we you should keep keep going back to the same, you know, to the same thing, to the same. You right. know, I, I already told you, like, you know, I know how feelings, I already told you, like, okay, you know, okay. we, we push quest, you know, you know, we don't have to go back in your gang and, you know, right. you know, you know, like. Okay, that's fair, that's fair. We, 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 we buried the hatchet, right? Yeah, I mean, like, you know, I, I already forget about it, you know, like, like I said before, like I said before, you know, I forgive, I don't forget, but I forgive. Okay, that's you know, fair. You know, like, no, no big deal, man, no, you know, no hard feelings. That's cool. I appreciate that. No hard feelings on this end as well. And uh, and I think you really, um, you know, you really impressed me by coming on the show today and speaking about this because there are a lot of fighters who won't do that. And I think uh, it, it made me respect you a hundred more times when when your manager reached out and said, "Yep, he'll do it." And I've been trying for a while, but for whatever reason, you felt like this was the right time. And I respect that you wanted to take your time, but it really means a lot to me. And uh, and I think that uh, a, lot, a lot of other people were impressed by it as well, certainly the ones working on this show. So I want to thank you for that. Uh, you're welcome. And, um, and, and, and I'm a person that, you know, when I'm at the top, I wanted to get this wing, you know, coming to, you know, doing an interview with you because I feel that, you know, I'm, you know, I'm on top again, you know, and, 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 and now I feel it's the right time, you know, for me, you know, to do the interview with you. And but some of the fighters when they they on top they just want to squeeze the the little guys in the bottom, mm. uh, you know. And when they're in the bottom, they just want to you know tack it, you know, to the guys at the top. With me, it's, it's the opposite. Is it all all the way around? By the way, how do you uh, feel about going all the way to uh, Japan for this fight, fighting enemy territory against a Japanese fighter? Do you like that? Well, yeah. And, and I have to go this week, this week, uh, this weekend uh, for the press conference. You know, it's going to be 24 hours. Oh, no. On the airplane. And, um, and, and and stay there, do the press conference, and then come back again. Um, and then fly fly up again. It's just, it's going to be hard, but, you know, I have to do it. You know, um, I, have to, I have to do what USC asked me to do. And, you know, if he, this is what they want me to do, I, I have to do it. Well, I'll do it. So how does that how does that affect your training? Because there's jet lag involved, there's packing and traveling, all that stuff. I mean, do you feel like it's going to affect your training? Yeah, it will. It will affect my training, but that's that's part of the job, you know. That's part of the job, and uh, you know, um, you know, you you have experience. You know, sometimes they usually say, you know, you have to be at this time, at that time, whatever, and you have to do it. I'm right or wrong? No, no, you're you're right. They're the boss, right? And you fought in Japan a bunch of times throughout your career. Are you looking forward to getting back there? Uh, I'm looking for, I, I, I'm looking for um, well, another fight in the UFC. Let's, let's just leave it like that. Hey, what do you think about uh, fighting maybe Luke Rockhold after this fight? Strike Force champion versus Bellator champion. Do you like that? Or do you uh, can, you, can, you, can, you stop, can you stop saying, can, can you please just stop saying like, Okay, I'm trying to give you props though. You know, You're still the Bellator uh, champion. No, they haven't even crowned a new I mean, champion. Like, you know, before before the before the before the, the Bellator was the CFC champion. You know, like I, that that's really careful. I don't really care for belts or, or titles. I wanna fight. So you've retired that belt. It's done. You don't even care about it. Do you even have a belt from Bellator at your house? No, I don't. 
Really? Why not? Uh, you know, it's all material shit. Um, you know, I'm, I'm fighting for the UFC at the moment. I'm, I'm focusing this, in, in, in that. I'm focusing. I'm focusing on, on, on the UFC at the moment. You, know? you don't have like a trophy case in your house with all your belts. It's all material, you know. All right. Um, and in my opinion, Hector, until they crown a new Bellator champion, you're the reigning and defending Bellator champion. Oh, you know, can we can we just stop? You know, mention all that. Okay, fine, fine, fine. I'm fighting, I'm fighting in the UFC. You know, like like I left all that behind, and I say, you know what, I just going to the UFC. Okay, but do you like the fight against Luke Rockhold or not really? If, if that's what the UFC wants, I'll do it. I think it would be an interesting fight. But that being said, I also think the Bisping fight would be interesting but, too. But, but like, like I say, I didn't, I didn't come, I didn't come to the UFC, I didn't come to the UFC to fight guys from from the strike force. I come to the UFC to fight guys from the UFC. You know, right. and then you got you got the guy like Bisping saying like, you know, this and that. What about Bisping? You know, that would be a very exciting fight. Okay. You know, I, to be honest, I wish we did this interview an hour ago, so I would have asked him these questions. And uh, I was trying not to piss you off, so I didn't ask him about you. Oh, Usually I, I do I'm that. Trying to push I'm trying, I really am trying to push you, you know, this fight because I'm sure this is going to happen. Right. And, and if you help me, if you help me to uh, build the fight, and then you, you help me to, you know, um, um, you know, you know, start to advertise in the fight. It, it can't even happen quicker. Okay. It might well, happen quicker. You know what I mean? What a turn of events. Now you're asking for my help. I love it. It's great. I'm here to help. You know, I mean, he's, talk, he's the one who's talking that, you know, uh, I need a letter to fight him and stuff like that. Well, let's see if I, need a, uh, if I really need a letter. What do you mean? Right? What do you mean? He says, he said, Bisping says that I need a letter uh, to fight, fight him because I'm too short. <laughs> so he, I, need, I need a letter right. you know, you know, for me to be able to fight him. Right, right, right. right. Well, you know, let's see if I really need a letter. Okay. I mean, you know, I'm pretty sure the, fa- the fans would, you know, would like to see and find out that. Huh? Right? Right. Are you going to watch this fight on Saturday? Yeah, of course I will I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna watch. I, actually, I, I, I won't be able because I'm gonna be, oh. uh, on, on, you know, on my way to Japan. Ah, oh, that's annoying. But, uh, but yeah, I, I'll, I'll definitely gonna, I'm gonna watch it later. All right. Well, Hector, I must say, I really enjoyed this. Did you, did you enjoy being back on the show? Actually, this is your first time on the show, but at least being interviewed by me again. Yeah. It was fun, right? Yeah. <laughs> you don't sound very convincing. Um, uh, pretty quick before you go, I want to say thanks to uh, to the UFC to uh, um, give me the opportunity to fight Bin Ning, and uh, um, I want to say I want to say thanks to my, my to my team and 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 my friends and and and, and you of course. Um, um, and I, I, I want to thank your manager, Stephen Diaco, who helped me get in touch with you and who I think mended the fences. And most importantly, I want to thank you 
for being a stand-up guy, a true professional, and for coming on the show, airing out your differences. And see, this, this, this is a lesson to everyone. If you don't like me, that's cool. Come on the show. Let's figure it out. And then we could go about our business and uh, do it in a fun way. So I appreciate it very much, Hector. Have a safe trip to Japan. Looking forward to that fight very much. UFC on Fuel TV 8, March 3rd, Saitama Super Arena. Hector Lombard versus Yushin Okami. It's going to be great. Thank you so much, Hector. Good luck. We'll talk to you before the fight. Thank you. All right. Have a good day. You too. There he is, Hector Lombard. I told you, a beef would be settled on this show, and it has just been settled. Great stuff there from Hector. And what a turn of events. First, he gets mad at me for asking people about him. Now he wants me to ask people about him. You see that? Beautiful. Thank you very much to Hector Lombard, the not Bellator middleweight champion, for stopping by. All right. So there you have it with the interviews uh, this week. Let us move along now. Welcome in the unofficial rookie of the year, New York Rick. Unofficial? Well, you know, there was no award. Mm. given out but uh people were asking me about you actually one guy in particular uh, a very important person i have i have a witness to this a very important person in the world of mma business came up to me and said that new york rick wow i'm such a fan and i just couldn't believe it it's unbelievable guy has over two thousand followers and people are just loving him um dare i say we've created a monster oh no 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 but the monster can die quite quickly my friends because we have the Rick's Picks Challenge upon us. Now, are you ready for the the rules? Let's hear it. You're probably. I haven't told you what's what's at stake nope. here. First time I'm hearing it. Last week we we decided to put Rick's uh, money where his mouth is, so to speak, because a lot of people have been questioning whether you really actually know how to pick fights correctly with the lines and whatnot. So I decided in the new year I'm going to give Rick a fake $100 bill. And he has to start betting on fights using this fake money. And he has to start turning a profit quickly. Okay? Those are the guidelines, right? I'm looking for a confirmation. Yes, sir. Yeah. Now, I, uh, I said, you know, what's it going to be? Does he have to turn it into a 400, a 500, a 1,000? I don't know. I'm not really. So I asked the people. People came up with responses. I took those responses and I came up with my own. And also, there has to be something at stake. So there's a lot to get to here. So here's here are the guidelines. In short, pretty much we know the, the fight schedule for the UFC from now, starting this Saturday to April 27th. That's Jones Sonnen. So what I've decided to do is make this a three-month challenge, if you will. If from now, starting this Saturday to April 27th, John Jones, Chell Sonnen in New Jersey... Rick has to take that $100 and turn it into 400 or more. That's hefty. Um, You're lucky because a lot of people told me 500 but I, you see, convinced me that 500 was too much, too much. So I said, all right, 400 Okay. Um, I think that's fair. I think that's still a lot, but BS. it's you more can... reasonable. I mean, I was seeing 250 300 I thought that was the oh, sweet course, spot. Of course. But, um, of course, that's the sweet spot for you. I'm 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 ready for it. I'm gonna have to be a little more aggressive than I would normally be, but um, that them's the breaks. I'm with it. You got to turn it into 400 or more. Um, there are a bunch of events. Let's count how many events, just for the record. It's one thing I didn't do. Uh, well, we've got UFC on FX seven. We've got Fox six two. We've got UFC one fifty six three. We've got Fuel TV seven four. We've got one fifty seven five. We've got Fuel TV 
8, which would make it 6. We've got 158, 7. You've got the tough finale, which makes it 8. And then you've got the uh, Jones Sun fight, which makes it 9. So 9 events, 3 months, $100 turned into 400 or more. Now, what's at stake is the question. Well, if Rick uh, is able to turn the $100 into $400, he will be a panelist on an episode of the MMA Beat. Now, as you know, the MMA Beat is a new show that we do on MMAfighting.com where the finest MMA journalists in the world come together to talk about uh, the topics of the week, the month, etc. in MMA the MMA beat. Um, and if you're wondering, the show returns this week. So Rick has been campaigning. He thinks he could do better than some of the journalists we've had in studio. So he gets to sit with the big boys at the big boy table and he gets to break down the, the, the stories and really let his opinion come out. What do you think of that? I love it. You love it. Now, if you do well, you could stick around. If you crap the bed, that'll be it for that. I'd also like to just throw out there, just maybe think about it. You know, this is just, yeah, yeah, just yeah. tossing something into the ether. Um, maybe, maybe if the UFC comes to New York, oh, you let New York Rick do the preview show with you oh. about that. Wow, on top of the MMA beat, or well, we maybe if I, I'll keep it oh. in my back pocket. Listen, that's a no. That's in November, and according to Mark Ratner, he thinks it's forty sixty. We could do a whole new challenge by that time. I'm with that too. Let's just, right. let's just keep right, it fine, out fine, there. Fine, fine, um. Now, what happens if he loses? Well, at first, I kind of threw out the, the uh, idea that Rick's picks would be suspended, but that's no fun. So what's going to happen if he loses, we're going to have Rick versus the world. And every week, for X amount of time, I haven't thought about the exact amount of time, a fan, one guy who's talking smack, I get all these messages, he's going to get to come on, go up against Rick, and it's going to be king of the court. If he loses, see you later. And that guy gets to come on and make the picks against another guy. And it's going to be this sort of round robin for a couple of events. What do you think of that? I love it. But, but the best part about it is that you're going to have to sit here and listen to other people make picks. No, I won't. you can't say a thing. I won't because I'm going to stay. I'm keeping, well, okay. I'm keeping this hill. But I'm that, the king of this hill. But you understand what's at stake. I do. There are going to be like people it. partying on your grave. I love it because right. I, I love these guys that, you know, they think they can do it better. I want to see it. Exactly. That's what happens. Put the money where their mouth is. So that's, the, that's at stake here. That's what's at stake. It's Rick's Picks Challenge, and it starts with UFC on FX7, which, by the way, we didn't do it for Strike Force because I wanted to at least give, give it a week to marinate. And also there weren't lines at the time, and, you know, it was Strike Force, so no one really, truly cared, if you know what I'm saying. Um, and they were all mismatches. But how did you do uh, with the Strike Force picks? Uh, I I went four and one. The only one I I whiffed on was uh, Tarek Safadine beat um, Nate, which no one picked that. Yeah, I mean, well, you could say that it, it was the second closest fight, but besides um, Couture and uh, Couture and Nunes, um, it was the second closest in terms of betting odds. Um, so there there probably were some people who did uh, make some money off that and capitalized on Safadine's upset, but. Um, I definitely wasn't one of the people in that boat. I thought that Nate looked so good against Woodley that I thought it was almost a foregone conclusion that he would take out Safadine. So that was an incredible fight and a great game plan to to just completely destroy Nate's lead leg, and that was the difference. And how about this stat from my good friends at the Fight Metric? Um, Safadine landed 55 leg kicks against Nate Marquardt. That's the second most... 
like kicks landed in a Zufa fight? You know what the most is? If I had, I'm thinking it's either Aldo on Faber or Barboza on Lulo, something like that. You're wrong. But uh, good choices. 68, Carlos Condit over Nick Diaz. <laughs> I just think that's funny because Diaz didn't even look like it affected him. He's, I know. he's, well, a lot he's of those, such a machine. Yeah. Um, but that's amazing. 55 leg kicks against. It was very reminiscent of uh, Jose Aldo versus Uri Faber, WC48. And also a good call. Uh, Edson Barbosa versus Mike Lulo. That was uh, UFC 123, Auburn Hills, Michigan. All right, so UFC on FX7 is this Saturday night uh, in Brazil. We've talked about it. It's Michael Bisping versus Vitor Belfort. Michael Bisping, if he wins, will get a, uh, a title shot. Now, for the record, are you doing Bellator through Rick's Picks Challenge, or are you only um, doing uh, UFC? If, if there's a line that pops up that I like... You're allowed to. Uh, you could do... Whatever, you could do I don't care what you could do MFC for all I care. No, yeah, I know. If there's something that pops up that I like, um, show some I'm, love to Bellator. Why, I'll, why, I'll the put love? it down. But right. if you know, uh, if, if I don't see anything, count on it mostly being UFC. Do they even do lines for other? They do, do but um, a lot of the times the the non main event fights don't get released until like hours before you know the day before or hours before the event um, because there's not as much interest in it. So uh, mostly it'll be UFC. According to best fight odds, Michael Chandler is minus 200, Rick Hunt plus 180. That's the only line out right now for Beltor. But for UFC on FX7, you got a bunch out there. Yep. Y- you've got uh, five. So are you making... Okay, and here's the one, here's the one last thing I have to say about Rick's big challenge. You ha- Rick has to make the, his official pick. You don't have to do it today, you know, where you're actually putting down this fake money. By Friday at 3 p.m. Eastern. That's the deadline. Friday, 3 p.m. Eastern. You could you could make the pick on Wednesday if you want. It doesn't matter. But by Friday, 3 p.m. Eastern, New York Rick will tweet out his official picks at his Twitter handle, uh, twitter.com slash New York Rick. That's when it will be official, and that will be his official pick. For now, he can make the pick now if he wants, but just in case, lines, whatever, you know, you got to give him some breathing room. There's a lot at stake here. Friday, 3 p.m. is the uh, is the deadline. Sounds good. Sounds good. Um Basically, I'm going to break down the fights every time up front, but I'm probably not going to make my official picks until that Friday just because if the, you know, the, the undercard lines don't come out, I don't want to put some money down on some guy uh, that was on the main card that I thought was a decent value when I could put more money on somebody who's a better value later in the week. So expect me not to um, pick the official pick until later in the week, which I'll tweet out, but expect me to break down the fights just like usual every, every, day, every Monday on the MMA Hour. Okay, so you're not putting any official picks in here right now. Uh, looking at these, no, there's nobody I'm I'm officially picking right now. But right. so you could be at the end of the day, you could make your pick on like the first fight of the night if you like those odds. It, it very well may not be uh, the the marquee fights, right? You have to be strategic here. Absolutely, I'm betting on the best values, as I've said all along. Um, you got to go with the best value. You can't just pick, you know, oh this guy's a favorite, this guy's an underdog. It doesn't it doesn't work like that. All right, that being said, give us a, a quick rundown. What, what are you thinking, Vitor or Michael? See, this one is one that I'm really happy I can wait till the end of the week, uh, think about it a little bit. It's just because this this is one of the most intriguing matchups of the year, in my opinion. I think that um, Michael Bisbing is notorious for having a very diverse um, arsenal and also having great cardio, being able to hop on his bicycle, outpoint guys, and um, win a decision. Or, you know, a late TKO as they fade in the later rounds. Vitor Belfort, he's kind of the opposite. He's the guy who blitzes you early, first, second round, and just throws bombs at your head. Um, 
At the same time, if you can avoid those, he tends to fade a little bit and, and you can possibly beat him. You can edge him by decision. So um, it's a it's a perfect styles clash. And I'm not really sure at this point who I'm going to go with. I, I think that the line on this at Michael Bisbing plus 105, Vitor Belfort minus 125 is very accurate. Um, if I if I'm picking right this second, I'm edging toward Bisbing. I think that he's going to be able to weather the storm and uh, beat Vitor. That said, he has a propensity for you know getting clipped in his fights. It happens almost every time. He's gotten better at since the Henderson fight was the one that you know took him out. Since then, he's gotten better at recovering from that and being able to win a decision later and um, you know advance the fight past that point and win a decision later. Um, so I think that Bisbing is my pick right now, but I can't say 100% for sure because there's something about um, Vitor's chances early that I really like. Um, so I have to think about this one a little bit more. Two follow-ups. First off, are you letting your hair grow? Uh, not intentionally or anything. Just a little lazy. No oh, haircut. Okay. All right. And uh, my good friend M underscore Joss on Twitter brings up a very good point. And you know what? I'm a fair guy, so I'm going to listen to him. He says... Why not make the deadline an hour after weigh-ins in case something happens at the weigh-ins? You know what? That's fair. That's I'd say that's entirely more fair. Also, the lines sometimes don't come out till you know later that day on Friday. Okay, um, so here's the thing. Let's say the weigh-ins are at eight a.m. If it's an international event, actually, well, in Japan it, it will be like that. Whatever it is, if it's at three, da 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 da, whatever. One hour, sixty minutes after the weigh-ins, you have to have your pick in your picks. Whoever that was on Twitter. Amazing props. Thank you very much. All right. Uh, what about uh, the co-main event on Saturday night? Interesting one. Um, Rothwell and, and Gonzaga. Is that the co-main event? I think it's actually Dalloway versus uh, Serafian. You know what? You're right. You just don't know anything about Serafian. I have to, you know, <laughs> plead. I have to plead uh, ignorance on this one. I don't. I haven't watched um, Tough Smashes or Tough Brazil, and I don't really know a lot about those guys. That said, I am, you know, one of those guys who, before I say anything about betting, I like to look at the tape. I like to look at the footage. So during the week, I will be going back and looking at Sarafian. From what I've heard and read, which isn't enough for me, I have to see it with my own eyes. Um, he's he's got great power and great um, grappling. Uh, Against Dalloway, that could that could be a problem. Dalloway's a guy who likes to grind on you, um, as evidenced in the Mayhem Miller fight. He likes to get on top and he likes to use his position rather than you know chasing submissions. And um, he at the, at the same time he's shown a propensity to be either submitted or knocked out. He he's a little chinny, and um, I think that for a fi- a guy who is by all accounts a finisher like Sarafian. Uh, th- that could be a problem. So I'm I'm thinking I will edge toward him if you know what I see on tape matches what i've heard about him um but i think that dalloway as an underdog is a possible thing that i would look at because guys who are grinding wrestlers you know i've said it on the show before i really favor guys like that when it comes to betting i saw sarafina 153 he is a big boy uh he made it to the finals of tough brazil middleweight division but got injured and had to pull out so this is his official uh ufc debut all right so let's look at uh, gonzaga rothwell this is one like um, it, it reminds me a little bit of the Hamill uh, Matt Yushchenko fight where I was just like I don't know where to go with this because we haven't seen them in so long and when we did see them it wasn't really um, anything that I could read off. Um, so just based on you know their history in the sport and what I have seen of them, I like Rothwell a little bit in this one. Um, he's super tough and only the really the elite of the elite have have taken this guy out. And, and you could actually say the same thing for Gonzaga. 
he's great at you know cleaning up the lower tier fighters but when he reaches the top those are the guys that give him trouble um so this is one where i'd probably i'm probably going to stay away from this one completely i i don't see you know if at even odds i really don't know what to to pick on this one i'd say um a coin flip if if gonzaga can take this to the ground and implement his jujitsu he obviously has the advantage but um he's not one of those guys that shoots for power doubles and is taking rothwell down to the ground and rothwell has great takedown defense um as well so this is one i'm probably going to stay away from um I, I don't know who to go with on this one. And, and as I said, they've been out for so long. They fought like once a year for the last two years each. Um, this is one that I don't have a lot to go on, so I'm probably going to stay away. And I'm actually really looking forward to the uh, the opening fight of the broadcast. It's uh, Tiago Tavares versus a guy that I'm really high on. Had two really nice performances in the UFC last year. Khabib Nurmagomedov, this guy, in my opinion, is one of the uh, the true rising stars at 155. He's very tough. And I'm looking forward to seeing what he does against a veteran like Tavares. Who do you like? I like uh, Habib. Uh, he's he's one of. He, Why don't you call him by his last name when you reference someone? See, as as we've uh, shown on this show before, I have a little problem with names like this. Okay. And I think I'm not alone on this one. Um, Nurmagomedov. 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 Yeah, it's easy. It kind of um, rolls off the tongue. Oh yeah, just it's just John Smith to me. Right. Um, so. Nurmagomedov, he he's one of these you know prospects that people have been talking about for a while, and then you see them rising up and they actually deliver. He's he's constantly aggressive. He he's a swarming type fighter, and I think that it's that Tavares was one of those guys in the past that he was one of those guys that oh you need to watch this guy, and then he kind of ran into some obstacles. But recently he's been. Um, on a roll, and I and I've been very impressed with Tavares actually. But I think that Nurmagomedov is too much for him at this point, and I think that he he just beat Glayson Tebow, who I think is one of the he's he's the guy that's the gatekeeper for 155. He's humongous, and he tries to grind on you. And um, if you can defeat him, I think that you're on your way to the upper tier of 155. And I think that that's where Nurmagomedov is going. So there it is. It's UFC on FX7. The action kicks off at around 5.30 p.m. Eastern time on Saturday with the Facebook fights. Um, And then you've got a bunch of fights on Fuel TV at 6 p.m. Eastern. And then you've got the main card on FX at 9 p.m. Eastern. So now the FX cards on, uh, well, the FX cards are going to be on Saturday night, Um, not Friday night anymore this year like they were last year. I won't be in Brazil for this one. We'll be back in action for UFC on Fox number six. Uh, that is next week in Chicago. Now, the weigh-ins, let's just find out uh, uh, Let's find out when the weigh-ins are. The weigh-ins are at 1 p.m. Eastern on Thursday. No, Friday. The weigh-ins are on Friday at 1 p.m. Eastern. So that means by 2 p.m. Eastern, you have to have your picks. They will be in. All right. It's Rick's Picks Challenge, my friends. Maybe we could even get this sponsored. Who knows? For now, it's $100 fake on the line. I have given it to him. He can now do whatever he wants with it, and he has to turn that $100 into 400 come uh, April 28th, right? Because Jones' son is April 27th. That's nine UFC events, a bunch of Bellator's, other random events, if he wants, he can do whatever he wants with it. Invicta, go crazy. I don't care. Just give me back $400, and then you keep the rest. 
<laughs> okay. And so. other people saying that, you know, maybe uh, they want to pick out your next earring collection. Oh, you interesting. Know. <laughs> I, you know what? I'm a man of the people. So in addition to the, oh. to the, to the challenge that we have uh, betting against the, uh, the fans out there, I'll, I'll wear the earring of, of their choice. Wow. All right. A lot, a, a lot at stake here for New York Rick. If he wins, he gets to be on the MMA beat. If he loses, it's your turn to take him down. Now, uh, a bit of breaking news before we get to the questions and wrap up the show. My good friend Mike Chiapetta of MMAFunny.com reporting... Let's read his story like a newscast. After negotiating a new fight, oh, excuse me, I messed that up already. After negotiating a new eight fight extension, Benson Henderson appears poised to accept his next marching orders in the form of a highly anticipated champion versus champion matchup. According to sources with knowledge of the situation, the UFC has its sights set on April 20th, April 20s, April 20th. 20th, uh, yeah, it kind of reads different. UFC on Fox 7 event to pair UFC lightweight title holder Henderson against Strike Force's last reigning divisional champion, Gilbert Melendez. The event is likely to take place in Melendez's backyard at the HP Pavilion in San Jose, California, where he competed eight times while on the Strike Force roster. That promotion went out of business after last Saturday night's event. So there you have it. Mike Chiapetta reporting. Benson Henderson versus Gilbert Melendez, champion versus champion um, at UFC on FX7. This is actually something that I tweeted about on Saturday. I wanted to see UFC versus Strikeforce on this card. After Daniel Cormier called out Frank Mir, there have been rumors of Gilbert versus Benson Henderson, of course. So you have a Strikeforce versus UFC event. How about, what did I say? I said, uh, and I, and I forget who I said. Jeez. Do you remember who I said? I, I forget. I had a good card lined up. Um, I'm blanking right now. Come on. You don't remember all my tweets? Come on. Um, let me see. I know Josh Gross uh, retweeted it, and he actually, took, he, was, he actually took exception to what I had to say about this. Okay, here it is. Oh, Gegar Mousasi versus Alexander Gustafsson, and also Luke Rockhold versus Costa Filippo. That's a nice little card right there. People brought up Chris Weidman, but Chris Weidman is injured. He wouldn't be able to fight. Weidman Rockhold would be great. Weidman Jacare would be great. But then all these people have been saying, oh, UFC Strike Force, that's silly. That's dumb. That's why you're not a promoter. Da, 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 da. People saying, oh, this is why the bar patrons aren't bar owners. Well, what are you talking about? Of course, the UFC is not going to come out and actually bill it as UFC versus Strike Force, but anyone in the know will know it's UFC versus Strike Force. Of course, the UFC is fine with Strike Force being dead. They're probably happy it's over with. Monkeys off their back. They can move on and just focus on their business. But you can't tell me people don't like seeing champion versus champion. You know, this guy from another organization against this guy from the organization that they're now fighting in. People like that kind of stuff. It's a gimmick. That's why people like the heavyweights. That's why people like these things, you know, UFC 146. People like that. Josh was not a fan of this idea. What do you think of this idea? I love it. Um, of course you do. What, what is that supposed to mean? No, Explain. I mean because you're a smart guy. <laughs> oh, boy. Um, no, I just think it's it's the most interesting thing you can do because it brings fantasy matchups that, you know, people have been wanting for a while. It's one of those things where 
even if it turns out to be um, one of those fights where afterwards people are going, oh, I knew that guy wasn't for real. You know what I mean? Um, it's it's something that they've been thinking about for much longer than like, oh, you know, this guy, the guys in the UFC, it's it's kind of a pool that they've already been swimming in. They want to jump in the new pool, kind of like that. Yeah, it makes total sense. People love that stuff. Gross tweeted to me, uh, those matchups are all great, and I'd love to see them, but UFC versus Strikeforce construct is pointless. What? What do you mean pointless? That makes no sense. How is it pointless? He says, You're, you, uh, Melendez, what is he saying here? Uh, oh, because afterwards people are going to say Melendez defeated Henderson, not Strikeforce defeated UFC. Ladder is lame. People like this kind of thing. That's why people still say pride never die. That's why people get excited, at least I think so, when Henderson comes out and beats you know, the UFC champion, Frankie Edgar. Oh, WC guys are better. We still hear that today. Now, of course, on the poster, it's not going to say Strikeforce versus UFC because that brand is dead. But when there's a theme to the card, it's just another marketing tool. It's another promotional tactic. It's all about promoting. It's all about getting people amped and excited. And we've been hearing about Rockhold. We've been hearing about Gill. We've been hearing about Cormier. We've been hearing about Gagar Musasi for so long. Now let's see them against UFC's top fighters and, and see how they do. So to me, it makes sense. Plus, on top of all that, it's in San Jose. It's in the home of Strike Force. It's in the HP Pavilion. It makes sense. I think it makes too much sense. I think it would be stupid if they didn't do it. Getting carried away. Okay. Um, so anyway, uh, Mike Chipetta reported that, and that means that we are one fight closer to that, at least one fight closer <laughs> to that uh, <laughs> to that dream of mine coming true. Next up, Cormier versus Mir. Let's see it happen. Even though, like I said, I think it's silly for Cormier to call out Mir because I think he kind of passed him. But, you know, he really wants to fight, and then he says he wants to... How great was that promo, by the way? It was one of the best. It was one um, of the best promos of, well, not of the year because the year just started, but in recent memory. A lot of times those guys doing their call-outs get a little incoherent, and Cormier was just delivering line after line. It was, it was beautiful. You watch the show, right? Yeah. How was the broadcast? What do you mean? In terms of what? Like, you know, the announcers, you know, Ron, Ron Kruk replaced um, Ron Ronaldo. I, just... I thought he did a, a, an adequate job. The, the, the main thing I took away from the broadcast was just that Pat Militich needs to be um, doing a broadcast somewhere. I don't know if it's the UFC. I don't know where it is. Um, but that guy, he makes, you know, watching fights. Uh, he enhances the experience of watching a fight like tenfold. Is he better than Rogan? I'd, I'd say he's different. I don't, I don't really rank... Um, guys doing play-by-play or commentary or a color um like oh this guy's better than this guy i just go by if i enjoyed watch you know hearing them yeah um then they're okay they get a pass or a fail and militich pass with flying colors yeah he's great i wonder what happens to him now frank shamrock told us that he's going to be calling some uh, glory events for cbs sports network what happens to militich well Mil- militich does some access tv right i think i don't get that channel but i think he does that and uh, i thought ron from what i heard um, did a fine job replacing Morrow. It sucked that Morrow wasn't there, him being the voice of Showtime MMA. And I thought it was cool that they let Coker come on, even though he didn't really want to do it. And they took him away from his football game that he seemed, weirdly enough, more interested in. Um, but I, I, I thought it was cool that they let him come in the cage and speak. And in, in typical Coker fashion, he shouts out Homeland at the end. Like, it, it was amazing. It's like we all wanted to get emotional about it, but it seemed like Coker, maybe because it's been two years... 
um, since since it was sold to to Zufa. But it seemed like he was just kind of over it and kind of wanted it to go away as well. That was my impression. Um, but I'm sure there are a lot of questions about Strike Force, so let's get to the questions right now. What's at stake, you ask? Well, since it is UFC on FX7 week, we're giving away this Vitor Belfort round five figurine, which I was glowing about last week. And now that I look at him again, I, I, I want to glow about it. Someone on Twitter asked me if I thought this kind of looked like jo- Joseph Gordon-Levitt. I disagree. I don't really think it looks like Joseph Gordon-Levitt. Can you see it? Are, are people able to see it or is it blurry? They can see it. They can see it. Isaac, what do you think? I think it looks like Joseph Gordon-Levitt. Isaac says he sees it. <laughs> Wait, what was he saying? You think it? You like think? Him. Yeah. All right. Joseph Gordon. Well, there it is. So Vitor slash uh, JGL on the line, um, and this is from series. What is it again? Eleven. Series eleven. Round five. Continuing to kick ass. And I don't know if you could see this. Uh, Rick set up the table very nicely here. We've got a champion, a champions lineup. We've got. Well, first we've got Dominic, we've got Ben, George, Anderson. Jones. Where's Kane? Is Kane here? Is there no Kane? Is this Kane? Yep. That's Kane. There he is. Kane. We're missing Jose Aldo. We do have (laughs) Fugazi Carlos Condit in his place. Actually, it looks kind of like him now that I think about it. But uh, we'll bring in Jose Aldo soon enough. We have Brittany Palmer in his uh, in his honor. Okay, let's get to the questions. Vitor Belfort on the line. Best question of the day gets him. Our first question is uh, from the website, the comments section. Okay. Uh, did Ryan, Ryan Couture, did Ryan's last name help him to win his fight against KJ Nunes in the judges' eyes? Well, hard for me to say since I'm not one of the judges. Um, I thought he put on... What sucks about this is, even though a lot of people thought he lost the fight, including myself, let's not forget, a lot of people, when Ryan Couture made the transition over to MMA, thought he was just a guy who was getting by off of his famous last name, his famous father. He has really improved over the last few years. And I give Sean Shelby, the now former Strikeforce matchmaker, current matchmaker for the UFC, of course, a lot of credit for putting him in there with top guys. It seemed like at first... Because of the challenger system, which I never was a real big fan of, but hey, Tarek Safadi and Cormier, two two, uh, graduates of that system, they look good on Saturday. It seemed like they were kind of protecting him. They put him in there against tough guys, guys like Connor Hune, KJ Nunes, guys a lot of people, including myself, didn't think he could beat, and he he fought very well against him, beat Connor Hune, officially beat KJ, even though a lot of people didn't think he did, and continues to improve. Like You look at his striking... Saturday, compared to his first strike force fight, leaps and bounds. So give him credit there. I think he was flashy. I think he was active. And that's why I think they gave him, I guess, the decision. I don't know if it was because of his last name. I, I, I didn't ask them. But maybe may, maybe it was. Maybe it was. But, but I, that, that would just be the stupidest reason ever. Really? Because of his last name? That, that makes no sense. So I'm going to say no. But um, it happens. These things happen in MMA. Our next question. Also from the website, by the way. Also from the comment section. Which do you think sparks interest with the fans more? Velasquez versus Overeem or JDS versus Overeem? And the second part, JDS and Overeem have been going back and forth in the media for a long time and are both stand-up fighters. 
I mean, it's hard to say because I think people really want to see Overeem fight for the title. Kane is a champion, so I'm going to say Kane versus Overeem. Um, if we're going to go back and say which fight would have done better pay-per-view-wise, because remember, JDS was supposed to fight Overeem at 146, but Overeem didn't get uh, the license because of the, the, the positive test. Which fight would have done better? JDS Overeem or Kane Overeem if Kane, uh, excuse me, if Overeem beats Bigfoot? I still think Kane because I think Kane has a more loyal fan base here in America because of the Latino market. This guy's a big star. Do you see that video of him coming to Mexico and he was in this, some shopping mall and he, he was coming down the, uh, the escalator? People were going nuts chanting his name. I didn't even know he was that big of a star in Mexico. And at the weigh-ins, tons of Latino fans and a lot of young ones as well. A lot of kids, a lot of girls there. It was very surprising. It was not your typical UFC weigh-in. So I think Kane is a more popular fighter than JDS right now. And I think Overeem's obviously popular. He has his fan base. I think that would do better business for the UFC. So that was the question, right? Sparks interest? Yep. Yeah. I and hope we're doing a mix of website and Twitter yep. and not just one. Okay. Because that was good. No, this is uh, – now we're moving on to the Twitter questions. Wait, but what? that was just one website question? There were two. Two? Really? Yes. From all of those? All right, if you need to say it, say it. Do the people on the website need to step up their game? It's not. A, it's not about stepping up the game. It's that a lot of people are, you know, replying to comments and things like that. It's not all just questions. Oh, it's not just all. Okay, okay. okay. Um, all right. So that was the. That was the. The Because I see a lot of activity. I mean, if you want to scroll through and read some real quick. No, no. Okay. 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 All right. Um, onto the Twitter ones. With the final strike force event in the books. What, for you, was the single most memorable moment? Hmm. And then you forgot the last line. The brawl, perhaps. That's not a memorable moment. That's a black eye. That, that was not a good moment for the organization. Most memorable moment. When I think of Strike Force, to be honest, when I think of Strike Force, I think of even the I, I think of the pre-Showtime Strike Force. I think of the little promotion that could. I think of the promotion that put on great shows when no one was watching on TV, but when it was a big deal for the Bay Area. I got to tell you, it, it actually made me even a little emotional being there, knowing that it was the end, because I really, truly enjoyed those San Jose events. HP Pavilion, as, as Scott said on this show last week, is a great arena to watch MMA. The fan base was so great, so knowledgeable, so passionate, and it was just different. It felt different, and I liked it. If I'm going to think of one great moment in Strike Force history, I, I wasn't there, but to me, the moment that everyone started to really talk about Strike Force, when Strike Force was showing what it can do promotionally and, of course, locally in that area, it was Shamrock Baroni. It was a big fight. It was a fight that was promoted heavily online. Both of them showmen. Both of them, you know, understood what it takes to sell a fight with YouTube videos and all that. It was great. And it was on Showtime. It was on Showtime pay-per-view. It was a co-promotion um, for Elite XC and and uh, and show and uh, and Strike Force. And it really just, in my opinion, was their first big splash national MMA. Then Shamrock Kung Lee, another co-promotion. 
that was huge. And then if I'm going to pick one more, I have to pick Nick Diaz Shamrock because that was the debut on Showtime. And that felt like, I remember that event, there were a lot of, we thought there were going to be some bigger fights. They, they kind of fell through, but it still felt like, wow, all of these Elite XC guys are coming over. Showtime's getting behind it. Could this really be competition for the UFC? And it was in San Jose. And I remember after that show, Scott Coker was buzzing and the vibe was great. And it was kind of a changing of the guard. We actually have the poster right here. Not the poster. We have the program right there. April 11, 2009. Can you see it? Sort of? Yeah. Yep. April 11, 2009. Shamrock Diaz. Diaz beat him. Told him to, to stand up after the fight. It was just a cool moment. It ended up being Frank Shamrock's last fight. So if I had to pick one, I mean, Shamrock was kind of part of all of those, but that's kind of what comes to mind when I think of uh, Strike Force, and and I think I think they will be missed. Their their little portion of our little world will be missed. But here we go, Bellator versus UFC. It's kind of a perfect time for it to say goodbye. You don't first think of you know Fedor. Um, no, not at all. Not at all. That's it doesn't, doesn't even come to mind. You? Fedor is the first thing I think of. Really. I mean, I think that that was the one that won the poll. They did a poll um, on the yeah. broadcast of what was, you know, the most memorable kind of concept or story from Strike Force. Um, that was one of them. Gina versus uh, Cyborg was one of them. And I think that the Fedor losing twice um, was the winner of the poll. I'm not 100% sure on that. Um, but Fedor lose, uh, getting triangled by Verdum was the, the, is the first thing that comes to mind as soon as I hear the name Strike Force. You know, at first I thought you were going to say Fedor signing. You know, you know why? Can I tell you why? Why that doesn't come to mind? Because if you recall, going into that fight, no one really wanted to see that fight. Everyone wanted to see Fedor over him. And everyone was like, why are they putting him up against Verdum? UFC cast off, you know, he was looking okay in strike force, but not like he's looking now. So when I think about the moments, I think about the buzz leading into it and the buzz coming out. There was no buzz going into that fight. And to be quite honest, I think Strikeforce dropped the ball with Verdum afterwards. They should have had him all over the place, parading around the fact that he had just been Fedor Milenko. It kind of, you know, started and stopped right then. I it, think I think that that's part of why it comes to mind. Just because before it was one of those fights that you know they were booked. People, the fans, were seeing it as, oh, these are you know two sides of the bracket, and then Overeem and Fedor will eventually meet. Um, he has to get through Verdum first. No, 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 big no, no. You're getting confused. He didn't fight him in the tournament. He fought Bigfoot Silva in the first round of the tournament oh, and lost right. that. You're right. You're right. Um, See what I'm saying? Yep. Um, you know, going into Strike Force, he had one fight against Mike Kyle for Doom, submitted him quickly. Then he had, excuse me, a fight against uh, Antonio Silva which was okay. And then he had the Fedor fight. But he was coming off losing to Junior Dos Santos, not looking very good in the UFC. And a lot of people weren't all that into it. And remember, after the fact, he beat Antonio Silva on November 7, 2009. Then he fights Fedor in June of 2010. Then his next fight against Overeem was June of 2011. He was gone for a year because of an injury. So they never truly got to capitalize on him becoming this star. That's why I don't think about it. That, that's, uh, to me, Strike Force is Frank Shamrock. Strike Force is Baroni, Kung Lee, Nick Diaz. That, that's what I think of when I think of Strike Force. Uh, that's interesting. I, I I don't feel that way, but I but I see the sentimentality in it, and I and I and you appreciate. I it. appreciate that. Yeah. Yeah. 
What else? Next question. Do you think Safadine is top 10? How about a main event spot against a name fighter like Dan Hardy as the main event of an FX card? You know, I was actually talking to uh, Casey, our cameraman at MMA Fighting, about this. Um, and we were actually talking about it going in. Is Nate Marquardt a top 10 welterweight? You know, this is going into the fight. And now is Tarek Safadine a top 10 welterweight? I don't know. I don't know if I could have him top 10. I don't know if I had Nate Marquardt top 10. I don't think one fight, one win over Tyron Woodley makes you a top 10 welterweight. Um, Safadine's look good. He lost to Woodley back in the day and certainly not taking anything away from that win. But I just don't know. I mean, who, who th- think of the, and I don't have my rankings in front of me here, but just think of how stacked that division is, the welterweight division. I just don't know who do you who do you take out? You know, obviously you got George at the top. You've got uh let's see here. You've got George at the top, Johnny Hendricks, of course, Condit, Nick Diaz, Roy McDonald, Fitch, Ellenberger, Koscheck, Damian Maya. You know, maybe he could come in at around ten. Do you have him in your top ten? I know you don't have a real top ten, but do you think he's a top ten fighter? I don't. Um and and I don't really think you could even make a case for that, honestly, until um, you see him in the UFC. I think that, you know, as I like I said, Jacare was a top five fighter, but I don't think that you can make a claim like that until you see them fight the the talent. I say that his you know skill set puts him there, but I would never say like Jacare is a top five fighter or list him as a top five fighter until I saw him up against that talent. I would just say he has top five talent. Mm. Um, Safadine, I, I'm not sure. He, he might be fringe, but um, I have to see it first. I Happy s- for him. Uh, great oh, performance. It was, I'd say that that was you know one of the, the most impressive slash, um, I, don't, I don't know how to say, feel good. It was a feel yeah. good story. It was one of, it was one of the great um, upsets of all time. I think that that was just incredible. Yeah, we have a candidate for upset of the year, and what was great about it was, it, it to me, it was Strike Force, the challenger, Strike Force challenger beats a UFC veteran, former title contender, uh, a guy that they cultivated, um, the little train that could. No one expected him to win. No one was really all that amped for the main event, right? And he just put on an amazing performance. Dan Hardy, that's a fun fight. Someone brought up uh, Martin Catman, that would be a fun fight. I think that would make a lot of sense. So I'm curious to see what he does. And by the way, he was no lock. If you ask me, if he would have lost on Saturday, he was not going to the UFC. That's what makes the performance so great. I don't think they were very high on him. So he picks up a win, and uh, surely now he'll be going over to the UFC. Our next question. We talked a little bit about this earlier. I'm a big fan of Pat Militich on commentary. Is there a place for him in the UFC and are his past issues with Dana over? Uh, unfortunately, I don't think that there's a place for him in the UFC. Um, I think his issues with Dana have been somewhat resolved, but I don't think resolved enough to the point where he is coming over to the UFC at any point. I mean, they have Kenny as a uh, color commentator. They have Joe. Joe Rogan is color commentator. I just don't know if they are willing to bring in another guy. And I can't see it being Pat. And I agree, he is fantastic. And I think if Showtime continues to be in the MMA business, they will hire him. And I think any other promotion, any other network should hire him because he is amazing. I'd love to see him back on a studio show. 
um, doing that kind of analysis. We need more people like Pat out there, retired fighters, no affiliation to any promotion, just calling it like they see it, breaking it down for, uh, for the casual fans, for the hardcores. He's great. I, I think he does a great job. Um, and speaking of Dana White, by the way, I want to say to him, good luck with his ear surgery that goes down uh, tomorrow. And he expects to be in Brazil uh, on Saturday, but uh, that, that is a big surgery for him with his uh, Meniere's disease, uh, you know, causing him some trouble over the past year or so. So we wish him the best of luck with that. Could Jacare put himself in line for a title shot with one impressive UFC win? And could Rockhold be in line for one already? I don't think Rockhold's getting a title shot right away because think about it. I mean, let's see what happens on, on Saturday. But if Bisping wins, he's getting it. And I just think... Anderson Silva is at the point where he does not want to make anyone else into a star. He doesn't he does want to put over a younger guy. He wants to fight established stars. And if he doesn't want to fight Chris Weidman, I don't know if he's going to want to fight Luke Rockhold. A lot more people know who Weidman is just because he fought already in the UFC. So I, I don't see Rockhold getting that opportunity. Um, I think Jacare, I mean, a lot of people are, are hyped on it. I mean, look at New York Rick. New York Rick loves the guy. Um, and, 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 and rightfully so. He looked very impressive against Ed Herman. His celebration, the, the, the gator, whatever you want to call it, chomp, is fantastic. I love it. I love the way he moves on the ground like a gator. It's, just, it's all very impressive. Um, is he one fight away? The division is somewhat stacked, although the belchers and the boaches of the world sort of clear things out for him. I think Jacare versus someone like Costa Filippo makes sense. And the fight that I would love to see more than any for Jacare right now, Jacare Weidman, because I think that's a fun fight on the feet and on the ground. I just don't know if Weidman is ready. I saw him at the MMA Awards. He won Breakthrough Fighter of the Year. Congratulations. He's thinking maybe May. So maybe it could happen. Who knows? Maybe it could happen. Certainly not on the Fox card, but maybe May. Maybe it could happen. Yeah, well, if he beats Weidman, that's certainly you yeah, know, oh, one no. shot away. If, exactly. If he beats, if he gets someone like Weidman, I don't know if a win over a Philip who does it, but someone like Weidman for sure. Um, a lot of people were proposing like fun fights for him, but none that were like title fights uh, or contender fights. Stuff like um, Jake Shields and um, Paul Harris, just to see you know their their mind was on the grappling matchup. But I think that he's above that, and I think that he deserves a you know a top-level guy that could put him one win away from a title shot. And if Jacques Ray is getting a, a wide bin, then Rockhold should be getting someone, you know, just as big because Rockhold did beat him. It's unfortunate. The one fight that they, they failed to make at the end of their run, Strike Force was Rockhold versus Jacques Ray because that's a legitimate, in my opinion, top 10 middleweight championship fight. It's the only really top 10 fight that they could make for a title, you know, at the end. So... They kind of dropped the ball. I'd still love to see that rematch. But at this point, I want to see those guys fight UFC guys. So I want to see them fight other people. Okay, our next question. Pat Healy called out Joe Lozon. Do you think that fight makes sense? Or who would you match him with? You know what? I love that fight. I love it. And I'm very happy that Healy's getting a shot in the UFC. Um, and I really think, as I told him after our interview, he's really developed into an interesting character. He's, uh, he's really worked on his interviews, and uh, his personality is coming out, and, and, and I'm enjoying his run. Uh, sure, you know, a finish here or there would help him, um, and sometimes his, his style is... It, it, it's a, it was a fun fight against Kurt Holabaugh, but you know, sometimes people want to see finishes and whatnot. Anyway, 
he's getting a shot. He deserves it. Sucks that he didn't get to fight Gilbert Melendez. Um, and he had some harsh words for Gilbert in our interview, which you can see on MMAfighting.com. But I think that fight's, that fight makes a lot of sense. It may, Does it make sense for Lozon? Maybe not, but he's coming off a loss, so why not? Do you like it? I love it. Lozon's on record as saying, you know, I'm, I'm happy with putting in a good camp and um, putting on exciting fights and seeing where the chips fall. He's not one of those guys who, like, you know, title shot or bust. So I think that he would take, you know, a great fight, an exciting fight, and I think that this would be an exciting fight. I, You know, Healy wasn't just laying there in the, in the fight. He was... He was chasing submissions. He was going for it. And his opponent was going for it, too. And I think that, you know, that's what makes exciting fights. And you can count on Joe Lozon to make it exciting as well. Um, So I love this matchup. Lozon is now in that sort of Bisping, BJ Penn category for different reasons, where it seems like everyone calls him out because they think, A, it's going to be fun, and probably, B, you'll get some bonus money because he always produces, you know, bonus fights. So, um yeah, he deserves it. And uh, kudos to Pat Healy for calling him out. And there's my boy, Matthew Tyson. That's me in his picture, right? It is. Beautiful. Our next question. Why does Daniel Cormier want the mirror fight if his plan is to cut to light heavyweight? He wants the mirror fight. I actually asked him about this. He wants the mirror fight because he feels like Frank Mir owes him one. He put in a full training camp. He was ready to fight him. He was mentally prepared, and Frank got injured. So he wants to pay him back for that. He wants to put it on him. He wants to get the fight that he was preparing for. That's why he wants to fight him. Follow-up to that is our next question. Don't you think Cormier has more to lose in the Mir fight? Most do rank him higher than Mir, and Mir is coming off a loss. I don't think so because if he, I mean, listen, I I, I said that I don't agree with him for calling out Frank Mir because I do think he's a, he's past him. I understand why he wants to fight him, but I think he has an idea here. You know, he's not just calling out a fighter; he's calling him out in a certain place, certain time. The place is San Jose where he lives now. So he's a draw there. He's AKA all that stuff. The time is April 20th on Fox. It's a huge audience for him. Great way to make his UFC debut. So now he's going to fight a former champion in his backyard on Fox. He expects to beat him. That's a great opportunity for him. And look at him. Amazing post-fight interview after the fight. I'm sure he gets on the mic and he calls out the winner of John Jones versus Chell Sonnen, which happens a week later in Newark. So he has it all figured out. Now, of course, they have to make the fight. But um, I understand where he's coming from. You know, look, look at the heavyweight division. There isn't a, a perfect candidate for him. Um, and, you know, he doesn't want to cut right away to, to light heavyweight. Maybe he wants to be. And, and, and to be honest, why put him there right away? He's been so great at, at heavyweight. Why make him cut that, that weight in the next three months? Get him out there on Fox, at the HP, at the Shark Tank. It makes sense. I, I agree to an extent because, um, first of all, who am I to question Cormier? He's a smart True. dude and, well, and um, he's handled his career great so far. So I have, you know, I have no problem with him saying, I put in the camp for Mir. I want to take care of this business and then do it. But my thing is, you know, do you really want your first cut to be the championship fight? Right. That's, that's going to be a concern for, for me as a, as a fan of Cormier. Um, if I'm, you know, if I'm backing him going into that fight, do I want my first cut to be the championship fight? 
And and I understand that concern. That's that's the thing that I think people are most you know hung up on, and that's the thing I agree. That's the reason I'm hesitant to say you know this mere might this mere fight makes a lot of sense. The other one would be Junior Dos Santos. I just don't know if Junior would be ready to fight in April, and this is the fight that he wants. So give him the fight. Someone else bringing up Tarek Safdie versus Matt Brown, by the way, which uh, I think that's a fun fight as well. I'm with that. All right, our next question. Which potential matchup would be more exciting for you to see at the end of the year, Silver versus Weidman or Jones versus Cormier? Wow. I'm going to say Silva versus Weidman because I still don't really want to see Cormier go down to 205. I want to see how far he can go at heavyweight. And you know, and I know he doesn't like when I bring this up, but I want to see Cormier versus Kane. I don't want to break up the camp. I don't want to cause a rift at AKA. Those guys are great guys. I just want to see it stylistically. I think it would be a fun fight. They could be friends after. They could be friends before. Of course, I, I want to see them actually fight and not just, you know, play fight for us. But to me, Silva Weidman would be a true test for, for Anderson Silva. And I think Weidman could give him that test. And, uh, and I think he's, he's earned the shot or maybe one fight away. Give him one more, one more fight. And then I think he, he earned it. And, for Cormier, I want to see him stick to, to heavyweight, personally. I think that fight against Jones is a tough one for him. The height and the reach, the weight cut, there are a lot of factors against him. I want to see Cormier at his best, and I think he is at his best right now at heavyweight. I, I'm the other way. I want to see Jones and Cormier. Really? Well, you, as you know, I'm a, I'm a big Cormier uh, supporter. But also, I think that you know height and reach is not going to be as much of a factor um, for Cormier. I mean, Cormier has been demolishing heavyweights that are heads taller than him um and have reach on him so that's not really um something that i think is going to play too much into it jones obviously utilizes it as good as anybody in the sport or as well as anybody in the sport i should say um but i don't think that that's as big a factor as it would be against somebody else uh cormier is used to that Cormier's that little pinball that just destroys people um so i think that that would be a more exciting fight uh, just because it has the super fight kind of aspect to it, because Cormier is coming from heavyweight, um, and I and I think that Weidman Anderson is just the next in line to to face Anderson Silva. It's not. It doesn't have. Um, it doesn't have a a potential greater than just this is the next guy for Anderson Silva. I'm not going to hate either fight, but you asked my opinion. There it is. Um, okay, that's it. No, 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 we got oh, okay. two or three more. Next question. Currently, Bisbing hasn't beat anyone in the top eight. If he decisions Vitor unimpressively, I, I suppose that's if he wins by decision against Vitor. Are you okay with him getting a title shot? I am okay. It's time. Bisbing's been around for, for so long. Um, I mean, it, it's almost a surprise that he hasn't gotten a title shot already uh, because he's such a big draw in in the UK. I mean, he's been around since tough three and, and a lot of other people. I mean, think about the other people that have gone title shots before him at 185. So I think, sure. You know, I, again, I, I was surprised that he won the International Fighter of the Year, but that just shows how popular he is now. Used to be a guy that people hated. Now they're voting for him, and he had a 1-1 one, one year. Lost to Chael Sonnen. Beat Brian Stan via decision. Prior to that, he beat Jason Miller, Jorge Rivera, Akiyama, Dan Miller. Lost to Vanderlei Silva. Here's the thing about Michael Bisping. In the UFC, his, his losses are these ones. Rashad Evans at UFC 78, Dan Henderson at UFC 100, 
Vanderlei Silva at UFC 110, Chael Sonnen at UFC on Fox 2. These are the biggest names that Michael Bisping has fought in the UFC. Rashad Evans at UFC 78, Dan Henderson at UFC 100, Vanderlei Silva at UFC 110, and Chael Sonnen at UFC on Fox 2. My point, every time he's stepped up, he lost. I just jump in here to say that some people would argue he won the Chael Sonnen fight. You know, that's some. He, he didn't. He didn't sure. win the Chael Sonnen fight. But I'd say, you know, there's an argument that he was. But he didn't do ve- enough. He didn't do enough, right? At the end of the day, he didn't do enough. Can't argue with you there. The point is, this is his chance. And that's why I asked him, is this your last chance? Probably not. But this is a great opportunity. Beat Vitor Belfort in Brazil. You get the title shot. They said it already. And there's no one really standing in his way. Who's out there? They're not going to give it to Wyman at this point, and there's no one really out there. Rockhold's not banging that drum, and it's not going to happen. So there's no one in his way. Go out there, win. You got it. Um, and let's see if he can step up. But I'm okay with it. Same. Absolutely. This is this is the time. This is the time. It has to be the time. I mean, he's fought. So, look how many times he's fought in the UFC, and uh, other guys who some believe are not as talented as him have gone title shots at 185. He's done enough. Give him his shot. Next question. Given his 10-win streak and stunning KO of, of Edom, we're, we're, uh, let, me, uh, let me try and decipher this. Given his 10-win streak and the stunning KO of Edom, was the UFC harsh on Barboza putting him on the card after one loss? Putting him on the undercard after one loss? I mean, I, I I think it was maybe an interesting choice because he is a popular fighter. You know, he won knockout of the year and all that. And most most sites, I thought, gave it to him, and he is um, he is popular and and people like his style. Um, I don't think they were harsh. I mean, it happens all the time. Um, now he's fighting Lucas Martins who is a, a newcomer to the UFC, late replacement. So, you know, Nurmagomedov, I like that they're giving him, you know, the opportunity. Tiago Tavares um, had his last fight canceled when uh, Hallman didn't make weight. So maybe that was part of it. You know, give those guys a shot. So it doesn't really bother me. And you know what? Who really cares? Uh, it's still televised. The fans and attendants don't really care. They're going to be amped up anyway. So I don't really see it as such a big slight. I mean, I I, I'm, I feel the same way. There's been guys who have done this before, and it's not a big deal. Yeah, you got to wish your way back up. up. Yep. Our last one. This comes from Murda913. Why do you say his name and not the others? Well, because it's especially imposing and scary, because his okay. name is Murda. Okay. How is that idiot, New oh. York Rick, oh. going to say that Cormier is the number one heavyweight when he hasn't fought a top five guy? So... Do you really want me to answer this, or are you just picking sure. this question because you want to answer it? You can answer it. No, no. He's asking you, so you go ahead and answer it, which is fine. By the way, if you want to send out questions to him, to New York Rick, go ahead. It's fine. Um, my answer to this is you have a valid point, which is um, Cormier shouldn't be a, considered a top five heavyweight on anybody's rankings until he fights guys that are in the top five. That said, I said Cormier is the best heavyweight. What that means is I think that his talent and his skills put him ahead of everybody else if they were to potentially fight. Um, 
until he proves that, I wouldn't put him on any official rankings or anything like that. I just think that if Cormier were to face off against Kane or J- or Junior Dos Santos or Overeem, that he would come out on top, making him the best heavyweight. In any in any particular matchup, he would win, and that's why I think he's the best. Uh, same thing, I, I talked about this earlier when I was talking about um, Safadine or Jacare. I think that until you come over and prove that you belong on the rankings in official lists or whatever, however these are kept, which I think are rubbish to begin with, um, then you're, you don't belong on the list until you, you make your claim for it. But I think that you can evaluate somebody's talent and say that they, they might be slotted in here if um, they can pull off a win or that their talent places them somewhere in this range. And I think that that's the case for Cormier. All right, there you have it. I see a couple of good ones on the site. Ariel or New York Rick, any update on BJ Penn? Uh, I did ask about BJ Penn recently. He has made no decision about his future. How about this one? Uh, Dion Starring or Nandor, do they deserve a shot in the UFC? I think Dion Starring does. Give him a shot at 205. He stepped up. I want to see him fight one more time. How about this one? Question for New York Rick and the guys in the back. Did Ariel let you touch his MMA award? Come on. He brought it to the office. Come on. In a baby stroller. <laughs> uh, actually, they haven't given it to me yet. Um, I want some New York Rick time as well. How about this guy? Worst episode in ages. No one today has anything interesting or even remotely funny to say. And where is New York Rick? I missed the first half hour or so. <laughs> well, um, actually, I really like this show. I was actually going to say that I really liked it. I thought it was a nice mix of guests. Mark Ratner, very interesting. Kevin Kay, very interesting. Nick Newell, very, very interesting. And how can you hate on Michael Bisping and Hector Lombard? This is one of the most fun shows of 2013. Are you kidding me? Um, anyway... I think that the prize should... I'm starting to think about this more now because I feel like I always forget what the questions are. The The best question of the day has to be not only a good question, but the the discussion that comes out of asking the question. And I thought the best discussion this time was the most memorable Strike Force moment. I, I like that one. Um, I'm with that one or either the the Lozon Healy one. That was that was also yeah. a good question. Um, but let's go with the Strike Force in in the memory of yeah. Strike Force. In memory of Strike Force, the late great Strike Force, it brought up a nice discussion. New York Rick weighed in, Fedor, I said the Shamrock fights. Um, so let's give it to him. He wins the Vitor Belfort round five figurine. And that's it. We're done. You can hit my music. There it is. Thank you, Isaac. So once again, if you're watching this live, apologize for the late start. Went a little longer to make up for it. Amazingly, I didn't have a guest book in the first 20 minutes, and it kind of worked out. I was just going to talk about the weekend, the fact that I took uh, five flights in 48 hours, and I was very, let me tell you, very sick. Very sick. But I did it. Flew from New York to Las Vegas, got the award. 6.40 a.m. flight, Vegas to Salt Lake City, delayed in Salt Lake City, made it to Oklahoma City with uh, maybe three hours to spare, did the Strike Force fight, which I very much enjoyed, covered it, woke up the next morning at 7.40, 7.40 flight, woke up way earlier, OKC to Detroit, Detroit, New York, five flights, 48 hours, I do it because I love all of you. 
want to thank Mark Ratner for stopping by. Kevin K. Good luck. Spike TV's uh, Bellator debut on Thursday. Nick Newell. Good luck to him. Great stuff out of Nick Newell. Michael Bisping. And most importantly, thank you very much to Hector Lombard stopping by, giving us a great interview, burying the hatchet, telling me why he doesn't hate me and making me feel a whole lot better about myself. We got a great show lined up for you next week, but I'll tell you about that a little later on in the week. If you missed any of this, check it out. iTunes, Stitcher, or MMAfighting.com. Thank you so much once again for the award. I love you all. Thank you so much for tuning in. We'll see you same time, same place next week. Peace. I'm out of here.